You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Roy Thomas, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is The Incredible Hulk, Episode 3, The Leader Lives, covering a period of The Incredible Hulk from 1967 to 1969. I am Curtis, your host. And I'm Alex Lear, your Hulk host. And this is an interesting period for the Hulk because he goes from 10-page stories to full-page stories as, the, as Tales to Astonish sort of comes to an end and Hulk and Namor are spun off into each of their own ongoing series. In fact, we cover Tales to Astonish 97 through 101, where the series ends, and then the numbering continues into Incredible Hulk 102 to 117. So, and annual, we have annual one as well. I found that this period of the Hulk... It was a little rough to start. Now, in the in the previous yeah. volume, I really enjoyed the serial nature of the story, um, yeah. especially yeah, and and when it was ramping up to the end there, when we had you know Hulk in outer space and stuff. Those were there were some good stories there. This mm. one starts a little rough with the Living Lightning story, yeah. and um, and and even going into when he first has his own uh, full full length stories. Yeah. It, I found it a little hard to get through. I agree with that too. I think he was just, I think it's a problem that the character of the Hulk has always had. It's just trying to find the right footing, the right chemistry between artists and writers and that kind of thing. So I think there are oftentimes these periods of transition where it's not quite, it's on its way to something great, not quite there. I think volume four, we're going to find the stories because I just read a few of those the other day. The stories pick up a lot more and they're a lot more interesting, I think. But but yeah, this is a little bit of a transition, certainly, yes, before, between being a co- you know, a co-star of Tales to Astonish, finally getting his own series again for the first time in five years. And so that's kind of exciting. Yeah. But it's but you're right. I mean, it's a little bit, I'm not a huge fan of the Living Lightning <laughs> series either. And <laughs> when he visits Asgard and it's like, okay, but he's, he's on his way. He's getting there. So. <laughs> yeah. Once we pass the halfway mark of this volume, the stories mm. definitely start to pick up. And I really enjoyed the the back half of this everything that happens after the annual which is placed between 108 and 109 i yeah. thought it, it really takes off after that agreed yeah so before we jump into the issues i just want to know are there any is there anything that we need to know about the hulk story wise that comes into play in this volume huh you know he's pretty much where we left him in the last volume um I don't know if there have been really many changes to the character. I mean, as far as, I mean, he went through a lot of changes early on as far as what triggered the transformation, things like that. He's been pretty, um, I mean, leading into this volume, see, he had been, I think he had, had uh, faced off against the High Evolutionary. That had been one of the last uh, things we saw. Mm-hmm. And the Silver Surfer. Um, exactly, yeah. Marie Severin is the regular artist at this point, and which has been, you know, a good kind of high watermark for, for the series so far. Stan Lee is still the the writer as he has been since day one pretty much you know hulk's just still kicking it around new mexico and uh wanting to be left alone and 
yet not getting left alone. And Betty is still <laughs> sobbing over the fact that, uh, you know, if you kill him, then you kill the man I love. Yeah. It's one of the things I think we see this about 15 times an issue. <laughs> That's volume. Yeah, just- yeah. The character development of the supporting cast, really, it starts to begin a little bit at the end of this volume. But yeah. other than that, they're very two-dimensional characters that repeat the same lines over and over. The worst <laughs> culprit of this of them all is Talbot, who in every scene says, but if I hurt the Hulk, I'll lose every chance of Betty loving me or something like that. Like, that's his <laughs> only thing he says, like, in every right. single issue that he appears in until yeah. almost the last issue of this volume. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a good point you make. I mean, they finally start to become three-dimensional characters, and that's where it gets to be a really cool series. Yes, you know, it's it's funny. I'm a you know I pride myself on being a tremendously huge Hulk fan, lifelong. But you know, even I'm not a huge fan of these stories. But I know you know. It's- <laughs> well, you know, when you have 800 issues of the Incredible Hulk, yeah. they're not all of them are going to be great. So it's sure. it's fine to not like <laughs> certain periods. And this is this is just growing pains, really. Yes. So exactly. I think I think the only story points uh, that I would mention is that the Hulk. Uh, suppose he retrieved this special weapon that killed the leader. He, the leader wanted him to get a weapon for him. The Hulk got it, but then the weapon ended up killing the leader in the previous right. volume. Uh, we also know that the Hulk's secret identity is publicly known now, and yes. so that's why Ross and he, there's no there's no surprises there when he tries to capture Bruce and turns right. into the Hulk, or he tries to capture the Hulk and turns into Bruce. Which I'm glad. They, I'm really glad they took that they, that step because that added to you know the pathos of the whole thing like okay yeah. now it's not just some brainless thing we can destroy it's 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 bruce banner oh so you know that's that was a really great step in making this a much better series for sure well since this is the epic collection podcast i think that it's important to say that this if you're buying the epic collections this one had a few printing issues yes, yes. Uh, marvel had um, a few quality control issues with a very specific printer called quad graphics and they printed this book. And there are some issues that um, there's like re- glue residue stuck on the outside that created a kind of a mess. Uh, in some cases, the the books were trimmed at an angle. And I've seen some cases, some pictures posted online where the it's so severe that um, like when you look inside, the corners of the panels are touching the bottom edge of the paper because the, it's so crooked. Yeah. Like it's That's really, awesome. really, really bad. But... I found a copy that looks great. I have no issues with it. So there are copies out there that are fine. It's just a risk when you're ordering online. Mine looks generally okay. It looks like the Hulk might have chewed on one of the ends, but um, I got it like 10 bucks off, and I was like, you know, I had, had to get it, so I was like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to wait and take my chances that it might not get reprinted anytime soon. So. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. if it, It'll only get reprinted if they sell out of this okay. current printing, I'm sure. Like, I don't think that they're going to recall, like, since they haven't yeah. already, I'm, it's yeah, pretty obvious uh, that they're not going to recall the b- books at this point. So they're going to wait for it to go out of print, which if people are not buying it because it's a quad book, it'll <laughs> right. never go out of print. <laughs> we'll never get a reprint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah. So. So just before we jump into the issues, I have um, a comment from Facebook. I asked people to give me their comments on this volume in particular. And John says, 
what I noticed here was that there was a there was a little varying quality of fill-in writers before Stan Lee took back over again. And most books, when Stan leaves, that's it. It's interesting that he came back here and he delivered. That's a good point, actually. Very good point. Because I, I think reading the various books that Stan Lee wrote, I'm, I'm kind of finding sort of a decline in quality in Stan's writing and i think he's realizing i'm overworked or whatever i need to i need to jump ship let somebody else take the controls yeah, yeah you're right about that it's you know it's funny how he did come back to the hulk that's an excellent observation and uh it was it was a good it was almost like he needed to take a little bit of a break you know and then come back to it and try and it again did, yeah he did a great job yeah. those are the stories in this volume that i really enjoy yeah and yeah. then uh kyle has one comment here he says is it an unpopular opinion to say that i liked marie severin's art more than herb trimpey's Oh, I don't think so at all. I, I think that Herb definitely, you know, he and he admits, you know, I definitely that he had some growing pains. And Marie had a much more, I think, established style. Um, you know, she much more. She was much more of a veteran. Mm-hmm. And, but I think that we definitely saw some of the later stories in this book. We were seeing Herb really kind of coming into his own. You know, it was it was funny how they passed sort of passed the baton off because I mean, here he came on as Herb came on as as Marie's uh, inker. And then he took over the whole thing himself. But um, Yeah, that was neat to see that transition from going from inker to embellisher yeah. and Marie just doing the layouts to him doing it fully. And then the, even, I think it's the last issue in this volume, he even inks himself. Yes. So it's fully him. And it's yeah. really cool. But I agree, Marie Severin is excellent in this book. She is, she's just incredible. Yeah. And yeah, then Herb, Herb Trimpey, <laughs> you can see his his uh, evolution, and I can't wait to see Volume Four to see where he goes from here because I know that he's a he's one of the highly regarded Hulk artists of the day for yeah. sure. And speaking of people named Severin, you know, once we uh, we see some inks from John Severin, Marie's brother, right. in this book, and that's I think that's the best the Hulk looks in the seven six you know late sixties and seventies is when you have got John Severin doing the inks, and mm-hmm. it's just you know, he does a great job with with Herb Trimpey's work, and as we see here and we'll see in subsequent volumes as well yeah there's a very drastic change between like john severin's inks and dan adkins inks in these in some of these issues (laughs) it's unreal yeah Yeah. right right exactly (laughs) okay i also have a twitter poll which also relates to what we're talking about here i ask herb trimpey is he the the best artist or what? And I realized that when I asked that question, I sort of phrased it the wrong way. I meant, do you like Herb Trimpey as a Hulk artist? I didn't mean, is Herb Trimpey the best Hulk artist ever? Because a lot of people responded saying that, no, Sal Buscema is way better. Yeah. Um, but that- uh, <laughs> so my, my options were he's totally incredible uh, or he's pretty competent. He's not my style or he's the worst. <laughs> And 0% yeah. said that he's the worst, which is great. Oh, okay, yeah. 19% of the votes went to not my style. 23% said he's totally incredible. And 58% said he's pretty competent. Oh. <laughs> that sounds about right. You know, I, I'd probably yeah. agree with that. I mean, he's, he's, Herb definitely had some great talents, I think. Uh, but I find a lot of his, the way he shapes his figures, I mean, they're very, like, stick figure. Not stick, well... They look like mannequins that have been posed sometimes. Mm. You'll find that, uh, I mean, Hulk 124 isn't in this book, but if you look at the cover of that, you see exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, it's just, I mean, it's like, let's pose, put his arm up this way and his other arm down this way. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's certain talents he does have. I mean, he definitely pulls off a great adventurous story. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, really, and I think Roy Thomas was saying that in one of the forwards I was reading in the Masterworks, just how you know, he had this very dynamic style. It wasn't maybe the prettiest, 
but for something like the Hulk, you know, there's just the series is just charged with this energy. Mm-hmm. Worked, worked very well for that. Well, and I'll bring this up later on in the episode, but the 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 final scene, the final battle with the super android, uh, Herb Trimpey is incredible yeah. with the action in that one, uh, just incredible. So he has definitely has his strengths. Okay, now we can jump into our issues. Why don't we tackle number 97? Uh, do you want to lead off the first one, or shall I? Um, go ahead if you want to. Um, sure. Yeah, go ahead and take that one if you want. Sure. Okay, so this one's called The Legions of the Living Lightning. And this is still Tales to Astonish. Uh, so we're still in the 10-page serialized stories, but this is the beginning of a new chapter. And in this one, Hulk saves the life of a pilot who takes him to meet his, this, his boss, the Living Lightning. And Living Lightning makes Hulk an alloy. Uh, an alloy, sorry, an ally. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Iron Man here? Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, yep. Makes Hulk an ally, and uh, and and also Talbot's kind of following the Hulk, and he gets captured by the Living Lightning's men, uh, and so we find out that there's kind of a nefarious plot kind of going on behind the scenes. Not the first time the Hulk is you know pulled in by you know poor dim-witted Hulk is pulled in by someone saying I'm your friend, I'm your friend. Oh yeah, it no, happens several again. times in this one volume even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a nice sort of bookend. You got the Living Lightning on one end and the leader doing the same thing right at the end of <laughs> at the end of the volume. Yeah, there's I mean there's not again yeah, not a I'm not a huge fan of this story. It's just kind of like another one of those you know kind of two-dimensional bad guy yeah. luring the like we discussed and uh, I think it's interesting how I'm just flipping through this this issue. I mean, I, I like the exchange between Hulk and Talbot at the end, just where Hulk slaps him, and you know, it's kind of hard. It's poor, poor Glenn, even though Glenn, Glenn is kind of a jerk at times. Yeah. But um, but just kind of seeing the Hulk kind of lash out against a, a puny human like that, and there's this great enmity between these two characters anyway. So that doesn't help much. The Living Lightning has a sort of this roguish look to him. Yeah, like he he's <laughs> he's like a like a leading man type of scruffy beard, yeah. like an Errol Flynn type of character. Yeah, um, right. But, and, and I think, like, you don't see that much. I wonder if that's definitely the influence of Marie Severin, just simply being a woman to give give him that kind of debonair look, even though he's a yeah. bad guy. But we know he's a bad guy because he's got a spike on the top of his helmet, yeah. and that's like a German World War One. Right, uh, war, war helmet type of thing. Exactly. So we know right away, this guy's not a good guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of that kind of, a little bit of that going in there. Yeah. Got, still got Rick here as a regular character. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't jumped ship to Captain America yet. So that's good. So yes, number 98 mm-hmm. is, uh, well, it's funny. You got two, well, yes, it's the puppet in the power is this one. And great image there at the beginning of, uh, the Hulk is a puppet on, on the strings, you know, and, uh, you see Hulk crashing through the wall again, going off to the Gamma base to um, to, to crash into that. It is funny how Hulk's saying, like, Hulk is here to fight for peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Marie has this, uh, sometimes the way she shapes people is a little uh, little strange. I'm looking on page four here with, with Betty coming in to, uh, to sort of beg um, her father to, you know, to, to, not, to not kill the Hulk because, you know, you'll, you know, don't, don't, don't hurt Bruce, but she almost looks like her neck's broken or something in this in this post. She's, <laughs> it's dynamic, but it's like okay. Um, but you know, again, as we discussed many times, she's going through 
this whole thing like you know don't shoot bruce banner oh darling bruce you know must always be like this must the hulk forever stand between you and me yeah it's funny how she says well things never be the way they once were with us and i'm trying to think back to i don't think they ever really were that way between them because they meet in hulk number one and like two minutes later bruce banner is hit by the gamma bomb so right. i don't know if they <laughs> never really had a good good life together <laughs> so, um yeah, it's a uh, you know some good old like good old fashioned Hulk versus the Army destruction going here going on here. Yeah, I like the Living Lightning's uh, weapons that he gives to the to his men, the Lightning Rays on page yeah. page twenty two in this collect collection. Yes. Uh, page seven yeah. in the story here because it's like it's very Kirby influence. Uh, you have this this box wow. that you're holding and it shoots this ray and you see like even the Kirby crackle coming out of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> very cool stuff. Otherwise, this one is very fast-paced. It's a very fast-paced um, issue. And in the end, yeah. Hulk gets trapped in a cell with Betty, and they think that he's... Um, they throw him in there because they think <laughs> Betty... Like, she's going to be ransom for... for for uh, What's his name? Ross. Right, but, uh, right. yeah, <laughs> in the next issue, we find out that, uh, of course, the Hulk doesn't want to hurt Betty. And right, these guys exactly. are totally surprised by that. I, I like that little twist there. I love the great... General Ross face palm in the final panel. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like there's a scene, and I, I'd have to go back and check, but I think like at the end of Tales of Astonish number ninety, it's kind of a similar thing where the Abomination jumps off with, he leaps off away with with Betty, and General Ross is left kind of in the same sort of pose, like, now what do I do now? <laughs> Poor guy. It's like so many of these final panels are just left with this anguish. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Obviously, Hulk wakes up and. He's not going to hurt anyone, so we all know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that leads us into issue number ninety-nine, when the monster wakes, and uh, this mm. is the third part, the final part to this three-part story here. And Hulk turns back into Bruce while he's in this jail cell, and Ross and Talbot come up with a with a plan to destroy mm. these missiles. That uh, oh yeah, so I guess the thing that we haven't said is that the Living Lightning and his men have taken over. The, yes. the the army base and they're going to take use the missiles to whatever destroy the world or something sure but the funny the <laughs> funniest yeah i mean that's what yeah. they always do right <laughs> <laughs> um the funniest thing i find is that the the plan they come up with is that uh, they have to turn bruce back into the hulk how are they going to do that well ross happens to have built a gamma device and it just is kicking around the base here, you know, just in, in case they ever need to use it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, why would you want to have something like that, right? I don't, it's like, I don't know. You don't want to bring the Hulk back. Nope. <laughs> His whole pursuit is to destroy the Hulk. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I love how Bruce had all the spare time when he wasn't the Hulk to, like, design these. So there were a lot of different things. Like, remember the T-gun? Yeah, time that's gun right. From number 75 to <laughs> 77 where he's... Right, and they like built that from. It's like I don't know what this is, but let's build it. And <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. He just so. has a whole warehouse on his army base that's full of devices that uh, of plans that he's stolen from Bruce that he just built. <laughs> he has no idea what they do. <laughs> that's a great plot it. device. It is. It is. Yeah, just you know, random things in the art I, I happen to notice. But of course, we have a different um, anchor this issue, John. John. Um, Tartaglioni, and uh, but I love on well page thirty four of the book, page eight of the story. Just this great uh, like this the fourth panel. I just love Bruce's kind of like <laughs> looks like this kind of shifty <laughs> guy. You you know you <laughs> you yes. meet at some wayside stop, and it's just very uncharacteristic of Bruce Banner as we know him. And he, <laughs> Another panel I want to point out is on page 
what is it, on page 29 in this collection, page 3 of the issue, the, the bottom left panel where the Hulk is throwing this guy by yeah. his arm, and uh, it's, it's, covering, it's totally covering up the Hulk's face. It's just an <laughs> odd panel. Uh, it's, it's like when you animate something, you have to draw you know, 24 frames per second, and so you yeah. have all of these, the, the action would obviously cross his face, but it's like they picked the wrong frame to put in this in this collection right. here. Like they could have had one where you show Hulk's face a little bit more or something, but yeah. it's, it's very strange. That is that is true. That is very true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and on page 36, mm, yeah. the middle panel, is that an Action Comics number one reference oh. right there with the Hulk lifting hey. up whatever that thing? Like that's exactly Superman's pose with the car on the front yeah. of that issue there. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. hadn't noticed that. Yeah, wonder if it's a little good. swipe. <laughs> and obviously, we were talking about the Kirby Crackle earlier. I like that um, panel on page thirty-seven, where there's there are no word balloons or anything. It's mm. just the Hulk being bathed in this red Kirby Crackle, and yeah, you know, boom! Yet again, you know, Hulk's buried under a mountain. And um, God, I feel like we. I think this happens again, like in a couple issues. Where, <laughs> or is this the? One? Oh, this is the one. Right, right. He's right. Yeah, he's buried under the mountain, and then that leads us into number one hundred. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you take us through number 100? Yeah, sure. So this one is called Let There Be Battle. It's a really cool issue because it's, you know, for the first time we have a full-length, it's probably the first issue of Tales of Astonish that has a full-length story mm-hmm. in its 100-issue history. And, you know, I love the idea of combining, putting the two characters together. We saw something similar in number 84 where the Submariner story and the Hulk story parallel each other. And they kind of, you see kind of parallel panels, but this is the first time they've been combined together. And, um... Yeah, it's nice to see Dan Adkins here with his inking on uh, Maurice Severn. I, I like, I think it's, uh, I like the art a bit in this in this issue. I love that the cover is so dynamic. You know, the fight over Florida, and uh, it's interesting. You know how when you have these two main characters fighting each other, you have to have them sort of facing the reader. You know, facing <laughs> us. Yeah. And it's, I remember there was a big issue in 1976 with the Superman uh, Spider-Man crossover. And how that was such a – I saw the various designs there of, like, how they were trying to pose the two characters. So they would be kind of facing each other but actually sort of facing you too. Right. So – but this does a good job of, of that, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, it does a great job. I like the fact that we have Marie Severin uh, as the artist in this one. I don't know why they went with her instead of Jean or didn't split up the, the duties. Oh, yeah. But it yeah. definitely feels more like a Hulk story just because – than, than, a, than a Submariner story, but just because Marie is the artist here. Yeah, absolutely. And Marie, you know, she does a nice, you know, she does a nice job for Puppet Master giving him sort of a facelift here. Not, not that he's the most handsome devil in this one, but he looked, it's quite a step up from Fantastic Four 8. You know, he's, yeah. he's got a, his teeth have been reworked a bit. He's, you know, so. Well, this design, this design for the Puppet Master is actually what Gene Colan did for when Puppet oh, okay. Master was in Submariner a few issues back. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So the, he, yep. she, she kept the consistent character design from from that period there. Yeah. And this is like the only time he looks like that. The next time yeah. he's in Fantastic Four, of course, because Kirby's drawing it, he goes back to looking like right. a marionette. Right. <laughs> exactly. <Yep. laughs> you know, we have a really um, very pivotal scene happens in this issue, and really leads to a dr- dramatic change in this. Is you know, on page five, well, really page five to six. Of this, which is you know of the of the issue itself, which is page pages forty three to forty four of the book, but when you have um, the Hulk crashing through the mount, you know, crashing, fighting his way out, and Rick runs over and saying you can't just kill him, and 
four guys like a little rock in his hand you know he's like i know i'm just a kid from uh, nobody from nowheresville and he's, he's trying to do what he can one 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 pebble at a time to help the hulk get free and you know he crashes out but unfortunately because the puppet master is in control of the hulk hulk slaps for old rick and you know and we'll see in later issues that we're going to be talking about how that's kind of a first step in rick abandon well not abandoning the hulk but i think for his own safety clear enough yeah well and uh, a normal little like a tiny swat like that for a normal person yeah. from the hulk is yeah. like that's gonna it puts him in the hospital so that's one small swat for a man one giant <laughs> b slap for hulk <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah um, well, and you compare that with in the next on the very next page, the bottom panel, Hulk pummels yeah. Namor right in the chin, and man, that's a powerful punch there. That's just yeah. But uh, Namor just gets right back up. Right. Well, it's funny you compare Rick's reaction, his uh, to um <laughs> to Namor's reaction, which is a little more of a muted uh. <laughs> Look at the two panels together. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that versus Zock. <laughs> the sound effects, but um, yeah, great battle between these two. You know, it, it's been interesting since Avengers three, seeing how these two kind of face off with each other, and um, how Namor in the water is a quite a quite a formidable foe. Yeah. The Hulk and the, so it's a uh, yeah, it's stop. neat how they they place the battle in different places throughout this one issue because the issue is pretty much just one big battle yeah. the the entire okay. time. But yeah. yeah, there's a part that's on land, there's a part that's on water, there's a part that's kind of in the air. Uh, so yep. there's there's a lot of variety, even though it's just one giant battle. So I like that they kind of figure that out. Yeah. Keeps it interesting. <laughs> exactly. I love this. Yeah, I love the scene where they're fighting on the beach and Hulk does the worst thing he can do. He throws Namor into the water. <laughs> <laughs> on, on page 49 of the book here. It's yep. like, no. But um, <laughs> of all the things. But yeah, yeah. again, one long fight scene. Really, uh, I think probably the more interesting thing for me is just Rick and you know Betty saying, "But he's Hulk's friend. How could he hurt him?" You know, and, and they're probably all thinking, "Oh, he's he's snapped now. You know, if he's going to hurt his friends, then you know he's there's no there's no saving him." And um, but and then you of course bring Major Tablet here on the top of page fifty one, saying he's this is what I've always wanted to have a clear field with Betty, but not like this. And um, given that whole thing, you know, like struggling with that whole thing it's like you know we've got to destroy him if i'm gonna gonna find any happiness but um, yeah all that so what i loved in this issue is the two very distinct dialects between the hulk and namor the scripting must have just been incredibly fun to have namor who's like so swears namor the submariner and 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 hulk's like hulk smash right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh it's a lot of fun a lot of fun yeah yeah it's good stuff you know just um yeah, page fifty-six, just like pretty much all sound sound effects. Yeah, of them fighting each other. Oh, and then yeah, it's it's ironic how the, their fight actually ends up swamping Puppet Master's place and theoretically <laughs> drowns him. But we, we know that's not the last. Of course, yeah. never is. It's funny, you know, Namor see Namor sees a uh, Bruce on the sand and thinks, oh, that can't be the Hulk, you know, even though he's how many guys are wearing just purple pants? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's interesting though. Yeah. Interesting story. I like that final scene of the the Hulk statue there or the you know kind of like the the puppet the model out of clay floating there in the sea now i wonder if Mm. this was supposed to be the last issue of tales to astonish oh because why wouldn't you like there's one more issue where they split Mm. up the they split up the uh the the stories again and then it goes then they split up the title that's true and then captain america 
It yeah. on uh, it was issue number, wasn't it issue number one hundred where it did it did the split, yep. right? And yep. so I thought I wonder if there were just some scheduling issues or something like that. They couldn't quite get their act together with both full length issues, so they had to to do one more yeah. because both of the the Submariner and the Hulk stories are both just uh, you know they're they're short little stories that could have been a full length story, but they've kind of stretched it out. There's kind of a, some filler. That's an interesting point. I mean, it, you know, and obviously with um, Iron Man and Submariner, you know, when Tales of Suspense gets turns into Captain America, you now have these two stray Submariner and, and Iron Man stories that have to fit into their own one-shot issue, yeah. you know, Iron Man and the Submariner. So it does seem like there might have been some snafus. I mean, it would have been, yeah, it would have been ideal probably this month instead of Astonish 101 to have that be a Hulk 101 yeah. and, and launch the Submariner title at the same time. So, because uh, I'm not, I can't quite remember. I know that the Submariner is in the middle of like a multi-part story. I think. Well, it would have started around this point, though, wouldn't it? Have worry. I think he fights Destiny, but that's right. a, that's another podcast. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once the Namor but, epics start, well, they haven't started yet. Oh yeah, but okay. That's going to be. Gotcha. <laughs> so, is this is this you? This 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 issue one hundred and one. Sure. Yeah. Let's let's go on to number one hundred and one. Sure. Where walk the immortals? Good question. Loki. Loki is. Back, and this has shades of Avengers number one. He tries yeah. to mind control the Hulk. Uh, instead of mind controlling him on Earth, though, he sends Hulk to Asgard and uses him as a distraction to just run amok while Loki tries to work behind the <laughs> scenes to take over Odin's throne. <laughs> Classic bull in the China closet. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. Stick the Hulk on. <laughs> Look over yeah. there. You, you got to go take care of that. And everybody <laughs> rushes. And, and you have in this 10-page story pretty much every major Asgardian character the, till this point, that is, makes yeah. a little appearance, including the Warriors 3 and Heimdall, yeah. Odin. Yeah. The only one who's not here is Thor. <laughs> right. Of all the people, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of funny. It's sort of like reading a, a Thor comic. Where Hulk takes Thor's place, basically, and just you know fights everyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Love where he pull, throws poor old Heimdall off the uh, off the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you know it's just some of this. This is one great thing about the Hulk. I mean, some of the action is just it's almost laughable. Where like Hogan throws him the axe, and Hulk just like claps it and <laughs> turns it into powder. <laughs> <laughs> I like when he lifts yeah. up the horse with Volstagg on it with one hand and just. Throws them off <laughs> the horses on yeah. page sixty nine. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know Hulk's strong if he can lift the horse and, and pull full stick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, it's interesting stuff. I mean, I um, I like the I like the inks a lot. Frank Giacoya, I Giacoya. I, I don't know how you'd pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I like I like his style a lot. He adds a lot of uh, dimension to the style, and and yeah. because he uses a lot of blacks in his yes. shading and such, so the, there's just a, a lot more depth. I think it looks yeah. yeah, it looks great. Marie Severin also did a great job with all of these different um, costumes and horses and massive battle scenes and like this. There's, there's a lot of work to put into this this issue here. Oh, absolutely. You know, for 10 pages, you're right, or 11 pages, it's there's a lot, definitely a lot packed in. And yeah. Like, oh, in the end, you know, Banner's falling toward the advertisement that he's going to finally get his own magazine. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty exciting. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's not the last issue of his. <laughs> if he's so, falling, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
the the other thing that makes me think that this is kind of just thrown in here is that all of the stuff that happens in this issue is sort of inconsequential compared to what happens in the next issue because the focus of the story on Asgard completely changes and Loki is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, that's an interesting shift, isn't it? Yeah, why they would why they would have done that. This is also Stanley's last issue for a little while too, I believe, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yep, Gary Fried, Friedrich, whatever, came along after that. So, um, should we bid farewell to Tales of Astonish and move on to Hulk Volume 2? Yeah, let's do that. Well, okay. actually, it's still it's still Hulk yeah. Volume 1. That is true. Excellent point. Yes. It's still, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it, they just skip from number 6 to number 102. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a little kid, in, there weren't as many Hulk issues back then, but I uh, remember looking at the Overstreet price guide and looking at, okay, Hulk 1 through 6, okay, and then what happened at 7 through 101? Yeah. Like, I couldn't figure out what happened, and... <laughs> Then I think I finally read, like, oh, okay, it used to be Tales to Astonish, and that didn't make a lot of sense to me that it was a different title, but go ahead. People, yeah. <laughs> people complain about all the reboots and everything about uh, these days with Mar- Marvel, but Marvel was pretty confusing <laughs> back then as well. Yes, yep. exactly. You know, I wonder if a lot of people w- were hoping it would have been Hulk number seven or, or a brand new Hulk number one or whatever, but um, it's interesting to see which titles got a number one and which ones just kept the numbering going. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so... I li- yeah, I really like this cover a lot. Really nice, dynamic, kind of first big premiere issue kind of thing. Definitely, very, very memorable, very iconic. Yeah, very. Ni- it's cool to you know see the Hulk get his own title again. But you want me to um, when we lead this one off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for it. Okay, yeah. So this world not his own is is the title here, and so yeah, we got Gary, Groovy Gary Friedrich or Friedrich as the <laughs> as the um, writer here, and George Tesca doing the inks, which I'm not. I don't I don't love this as much. Him inking in this right in this regard, um, but yeah, kind of two splash panels here of Bruce still falling and uh, another reason why I think that this issue, like, why would you have a, a two splash pages right in a row? It's very unusual for this period yeah. of Marvel. Very unusual. They could have had a one page, uh, which page two of the story could have been uh, some sort of explanation of how Hulk gets to Asgard, right? And yeah. then they continue on with the story. But instead, they give it a splash page because they used up the how Hulk got to Asgard in this in the previous fill-in issue. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to see how these, how the kind of the tenor of the title changes a bit now that we have twenty-page stories instead of ten. It allows a little bit things to move a little more slowly. You know, I do like the, of course, we've got the Warriors Three here. I like the fact that we've got the the origin story again. It's a Dr. Uh, Seuss telling of the of the origin story, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my God. Yeah, that's the, the the lameness sometimes of the of the rhyming of the rhymes and yes. yeah, right. That's a very good way <laughs> to put it. The Dr. Seuss version. <laughs> I'd love to see a yeah a, a children's story version of the Hulk using this dialogue or this text. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay. This is actually kind of interesting. We're we're and I don't know if you want to go off on a tangent a little bit on this one or not. We don't have to, but. Uh, right on the um, on the forum, you know, the Masterworks forum, I got into like a very polite kind of um, de- I don't know if you call it a debate, but um, somebody on uh, one of the threads had mentioned how he saw Bruce Banner as kind of a at least in the beginning as kind of a not so great a guy. He built this gamma bomb um, with the idea of you know, killing millions of people and all that. And my my feeling was Bruce is a good guy. You know, he was doing this. Obviously, he had created this tremendous weapon of mass destruction i didn't see him as doing it so much to kill people but as to have a defense basically you know against against the commies or whatever but um 
what the reason I mentioned this is just on page 78 here. Maybe you'd call this a retcon or whatever, but um, you know, Bruce is saying that uh, you know, we're too close to giving our country a, a weapon so powerful it can ensure world peace. And that was kind of my take on it. But it, you know, again, things it's 1968 at this point versus 1962. You know, the, the, the Cold War tensions have eased a little bit by this point hmm. maybe you know but just sorry that was kind of philosophical i wasn't sure <laughs> i didn't want to go too far off the topic but um i wasn't sure your thoughts on no that that is an interesting observation that they they put that little thing in here bruce and tony are both mm-hmm. weapons manufacturers yeah when they first yeah. start and they kind of move away from that not tony not as much he still kind of sticks with it a little bit but they downplay it but yeah. but Bruce is yeah completely far removed and and even like you were mentioning in the previous issue Hulk says that he you know he fights for peace <laughs> even yeah. though it's kind of a weird thing <laughs> for Hulk to say but they seem to want to be driving that home yeah exactly exactly it's funny this on page seventy nine he reminds me a lot of Hulk number one just like that the the second page of the of that story you know how you got the gamma bomb in the desert that's the first panel you see oh yeah they ripped these two. panels directly yeah. from that issue for sure yeah which is cool you know I like yep. the Oh, especially, yeah, the one on page 80 here where we're seeing Banner hit by the bomb and the shots of his face, you know, like one right in the midst of everything and then one now he's back at the, you know, now he's in the hospital or whatever and being treated. Yep. Of course, they retconned the gray out. He was you know, immediately green in this, in oh, this yeah, version. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, an interesting way certainly to, to tell his origin through, through this verse. So, uh, yeah. Um, now, I, there was really no point to this issue. I found. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was absolutely no purpose. There, there was no agendas. There were no missions. Right. The, yeah. the uh, Enchantress and uh, the Executioner just kind of, they kidnap him, but for no reason, and they don't <laughs> use him in any way. Yeah. Um, they, just, he just, they just see him falling, and they take him. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Uh, it. It's kind of a useless issue, in fact. It doesn't move... It doesn't have right. move anybody's story along or anything like that. Which is, yeah, disappointing given the fact it's kind of like his first issue, so to yeah. speak, you know. So not maybe not the most promising start for, for this. But I think that, you know, I think moving forward, I think the next issue, we find that things are getting a little more interesting. Yeah, so this is issue number 103. Uh, it's called, And Now the Space Parasite and Hulk is Back on Earth. Odin has sent him back to, to Earth. Uh, yeah. Gary Friedrich, again, is a scripter. Now, I know that in this era, they kind of use scripter and writer interchangeably. So I mm. wonder, so I don't know if these are Stanley plots and Gary's just doing the scripting over it, or if I, Gary actually is doing all of the plots as well. I would guess that Gary was, only because you know, <laughs> old Stan, God love him, you know, he <laughs> if he had anything to do with it, he would have, it would have been right there. You know, if he had written, plotted it, he would have been, I think he would have given giving himself credit. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yes, he's his best self-promoter, that's he, for sure. He is, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm glad to see Frank back uh, as Inker, you know, so hearkening back to 101. And this might be the, the ugliest villain the Hulk's ever had, I think. <laughs> you know, first he looks like he's got one eye, but then I think ultimately it looks like he may have four eyes. I like, think he's on, got all eyes all, yeah, all around his yeah. head, but you don't yeah. see that very well because yeah. he's got <laughs> this, uh, this high collar... Maybe yeah, right. maybe to block out uh, the the view of his other eye, so he can actually concentrate on what he's looking at. Because how hard would it be <laughs> to move around yeah. if you can see in every direction all the time? <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really good... <laughs> man. See, that's, that's that. Those are the the really the world shaking questions that this podcast <laughs> answers. You know? Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, uh, 
yeah, you got another situation here where Hulk turns back to Banner, and Banner's like, where the heck am I? You know, yeah. first he's like falling, you know, down this tunnel, whatever, down this thing at issue 102, and now he's on the side of a building. And uh, um, But I like here that we have a TV show, a talk show here, and so we got Rick, he got hit in, uh, Hulk hit him in one, issue 100, and, and Rick's, you know, he's a little bit better, but um, I think, you know, looking back on this, I mean, I know that the, trying to remember if that's because this, the, um, the space parasite was influencing Rick. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the okay. space parasite yeah. had a hypnotic ray, uh, hypnotic yeah. suggestion laser beam, and yeah. that that influenced Rick and Betty. And you know, I think though, it it kind of just made Rick willing to say what he kind of really yeah. wanted to say at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah, and that's interesting because it brings up because they're both afraid. Of the Hulk, yes. even though yeah. they know that they can get closer to him or whatever, and they want to help because Bruce is their friend, but they're still afraid of him, and he is a menace. And yes. so both of these characters kind of say what they need to say mm-hmm. uh, and then regret it because it's like, no, well, I shouldn't have said that in the way that they said it kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's you know one thing I like about this story is uh, on page 100, 100 and 101, um, reminds me a lot of what we'd see in the 70s TV show, you know, the Bruce Banner kind of on the run and um, very vulnerable in this case, you know, just the, the scene of him on the subway, like sweat on his head and, you know, he's just so close to being captured by the police and mm-hmm. he, he would have been busted for not having 20 cents. <laughs> and, but, you know, he turns on the TV, good old Rick, he's going to say something nice and then, you know, obviously Rick does not and that panel of Bruce, fifth panel on page 101 of just Bruce in the shadows with his his head in his hands, face in his hands. And, yeah. Um, and then Rick pulling the gun on, on him. And, and then and, you know, the same thing, Betty coming in, like his two, Bruce's two closest friends seemingly turning on him. And I think that's a good point you make that, I mean, it was something they already kind of felt anyway. And it was just sort of magnified by the space parasite mm-hmm. for them to, to get them to say these things. So, now this, um, the space parasite is an interesting character because he absorbs people's energy so that like, I guess he doesn't eat or anything like that. He has to, like, the way he refuels his body is to suck the energy from people, which is why he's called right. a parasite. Sure. Uh, and <laughs> he uses this weird dagger or this weird sword or something like that that's uh, kind of sharp on all edges and to to do that. Uh, and yeah. he's sort of a renegade. Yeah. So the other aliens, sure. we get some of his backstory, and all these other aliens yep. are after him. So they're, they're, there's this whole sub-story that, where the, these aliens are tracking him through outer space. Exactly. And he's, he's kind of a tragic villain in the end, it seems like. You know, he's kind of, you know, the ship explodes. You know, and it looks like, I guess, the, yeah, I mean, he's, his people try to kill him. He doesn't die, but he's immediately, but he's just there alone. I mean, interestingly, just like Bruce was feeling earlier in this story. Um, just feeling totally alone, but um, but and then there's kind of like this weird sort of, <laughs> I guess bittersweet ending where I'm alone, but I I finally know peace. So mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. But uh, go to page page 104. Okay. Yep. Because uh, Bruce is in Rick's apartment and he's wearing these purple coveralls, and then he turns into the Hulk. And look at the yes. bottom panel. The coveralls they they break <laughs> away, and underneath are his purple pants. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he always has you know that's that's pretty diligent of bruce you know to keep the purple pants on just in case just you know, in case Peter parker keeps 
<laughs> Peter Parker keeps his Spider-Man costume on underneath his regular clothes. Bruce Banner keeps his torn up purple pants. You know, underneath. <laughs> Just in case, you never know when you're going to turn into Hulk and need purple pants. <laughs> I think this confirms, though, that Hulk's pants must be stretchy because look at those blue pants, how they, the overalls, you know, how yeah, they just, they just explode. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's very non comics code authority. Comics code approved, would not get approved by the comics code without those purple pants. Yeah, that's, that's a good observation. <laughs> one so, more, one more thing here on page one Oh five, the next page, yes. the very top mm-hmm. panel, it's yeah. upside down. It's a yeah, really it's cool weird. way to, yeah. to show Hulk leaping out of this building. If you turn the whole book upside down, you can see what the, yeah. you know, how the yeah. road is supposed to be laid out or whatever. Um, but they, for yeah. some reason, Marie Severin des- decided to put it upside down. It's kind of a neat artistic choice there. Yeah. yeah it's very dynamic. Cause, I mean, otherwise it would, it, it would have worked well right side up. But it could have almost been like Hulk laying down on something, whereas if it's upside down, there's definitely more of like a feeling of suspension, I think, and being up in a loft or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting it looks, it looks So another situation where Hulk's, Hulk turns back to Bruce, and Bruce is screwed once again. You know, he's, he's got yeah. the guns on him, the police guns on him. And, and so should we continue into 104? Yes, please do. Yeah. So we've got a classic villain here, the Rhino, and this one's called The Ring Around the Rhino. And I love the, the newspaper here at the beginning. It looks you know, pretty good stuff. We've got a good art team here still with Marie and Frank. And, mm-hmm. You know, I like how how we've got this kind of the crossing the villains over. I mean, the Rhino had, I think, been just the Spider-Man villain up until this point, and now uh, you know, story sort of. Can, in fact, we have on page one eighteen a little bit of an origin of kind of you know, how the Rhino came to be and and uh, coming back with a new suit on and everything. So, and poor old Rhino, you know, he seems to be someone like the Hulk. You know, he's always being manipulated <laughs> into somebody's, you know, like <laughs> yeah. a tool to be turned loose on someone and. You know, and I think, you know, later on, of course, Serrano turns out to be not that bad a guy. He's almost kind of heroic decades from now. But yeah, interesting, you know, Banner's, you know, taken into custody. And this, out of the early issues, this was my favorite issue. I thought that the battle between the Hulk and the Rhino was just excellent. Uh, It was so full of excitement and energy. And I feel like this was an appropriate villain for the Hulk of this era. Because I know the Hulk of this era isn't an enormous monster who can like pick up a whole building sure he does some pretty incredible feats but i feel like the the rhino is more of more of the hulk's level at this point yeah and they really face off uh, equally against each other yeah i agree with you i mean it's good to have the abomination was another really good one you know you're gonna it's gonna be an exciting issue and i've always liked you know yeah the more hulk-like villains the leader i feel like was overused and got kind of annoying because he always had a new super humanoid or whatever but yeah, this is a good old, like, great knock him out, drag him out, or knock him, what was it, knock Yeah. How does that expression go? You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dragged out something, sure. whatever that right. expression is, sure. <laughs> I love where um, Hulk just grabs it by the horn, uses uses that against him just to bash his head into the ground, and yeah. just really kind of kicks his can until that truck explodes. And and the rhino just keeps on coming. Doesn't let up, doesn't let up. And, uh, and I'm looking back here, because I think we kind of presume at the end of this that that he's dead. And of course, you know, they don't stay dead, but um, I don't think they actually mention here, do they, that, that Rhino wasn't dead, that he was just near death. They don't mention that at all. Right. Yeah. Right. So we, of course that leads into a later issue that we'll talk about next time. But yeah, yeah, that's a, you know, it's another kind of really sad Betty moment where you see on page one of 35 where um, you kind of see Betty, 
struggling with maybe with sanity, with sanity a bit. It's like, you know, this is really tearing her apart, and we see this a few years later where she becomes the harpy. And it's just like, in really, as we talked about before, just this, the complexity of this this love she has for, for Bruce and kind of by nature of that, the Hulk too. It's kind of like this marriage where Bruce kind of brings the Hulk into the relationship and it's kind of like the kid they have to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just, but you know, you know, just and then of course Hulk's recourse is just to grab her and go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. it's kind of a hostage. But anyway, so here we go. See the final panel, General Ross, face palm. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so he should have just put Betty into a convent or something. You know, just to yep. keep her out of the way. Keep her out of the way. I think that so. every time we see uh, him with a face palm, you got to put the Homer Simpson. Don't don't yeah. <laughs> right in front of it. <laughs> Betty uh, Bet, the Hulk took Betty. Don't <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> One oh five is called the This Monster Unleashed, and this is the cover to this epic collection. What a great, yeah. great cover. And I love the way that it was in reinterpreted, I think it was Alex Ross for the Immortal yes. Hulk recently. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. really, really nice. AKA Hulk number seven hundred eighteen. For the legacy folks, I oh think it's yeah, legacy seven eighteen. Right? So it's yeah, it was very nice to see that. Yeah, the mir- the mirroring of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. good, great. Yeah, um, this issue yeah. is scripted by Bill Everett and Roy Thomas. They got two people doing the script for this yeah. one, and again with Marie Severin with inks with, by George Tuska. This I didn't care for this issue really at all. <laughs> yeah, um, a nuclear explosion underground, a nuclear testing. Yeah. revives a prehistoric man and evolves him to this weird pink creature and then the <laughs> the communists decide to send that creature to New York so that the creature will destroy everything. <laughs> Never been done before. Very novel idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's and then we never sent anyone over there. I don't know. So I guess I'm not sure if it's it must be communist China, I think that sends okay. over Yes. Page 142. Yeah, one forty-two. Is it communist China? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It is. And then so communist Russia later on in this issue decides, you know, you know what? We want that thing for ourselves. So they come and try to try to take it. Or maybe that's (laughs) in the next issue. I think that's in the next. I think so. Yeah, Yeah. the guy with a white T-shirt with a star on it. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Russia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Captain communist. But but yeah, you know, interesting villain here where you can't touch him without burning your hands. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's interesting too. On one forty nine, page one forty nine, where you know basically Hulk's burning up and automatically turns back to Bruce, and it's, it's a good thing that uh, the missing link there drops him at that point because that could be kind of fatal for <laughs> right. Bruce. To, but interesting to note that has, when he turns yeah. back into Bruce Banner, he still has the mind of the Hulk. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So it's right. it, some right. sort of, somehow the radiation of the of this missing link character has changed things. So that's a that's something that we haven't seen before, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Banner walks around as pink, a pink, puny, fleshy Banner. <laughs> it suits him well. Yeah. Yep. Got a Mister Fantastic cameo here. Right. Yeah. Always nice to see him. And yeah, you know, it's kind of you know, here's an interesting thing. I, I wonder if um, this is one of those situations where. It was definitely definitely planned by, you know, when Marie was drawing this, that, that it was definitely going to be Bruce with a Hulk's mind. Or if it was just, because, you know, looking from the pictures here, you wouldn't necessarily, it was kind of an odd plot twist where you see one panel of Bruce, you know, making, stalking like the Hulk, and then 
next time we see him, he's back to being pretty much back to being the Hulk again. Right. It's kind of like this very quick little thing that um, didn't really seem to matter that much because it happened so quickly. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't really matter at all. Yeah. <laughs> very weird. Very strange. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I get kind of like a, I get sort of a yearning for like, a, what is it like a like a pink pot lollipop or something when I see this guy. Cause I don't know. It's just like when the Hulk punches him and like all these little like tiny lollipop pieces come off him. That's it's, right. <laughs> it's like a big piece of candy. Just kind of <laughs> anyway, um, very, very radioactive, deadly candy, you know? Yes, candy. yes, yes. <laughs> don't do not so, eat that candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I like it at the end here where you got, you know, Bruce sort of side by side with, with Talbot and Rick, you know, kind of facing off against the, the missing link here. And you got another one of these, like, like you talked about, like one of these kind of Kirby-like box weapons on page one. Yeah, it looks exactly like the one that yeah. the Living Lightning had. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, in another situation where the Hulk turns back to Banner and it's like, ah, the worst timing possible. You know, it seems to be kind of a plot twist we see a lot too where it's like, you know, right at the last worst minute, you know, Hulk turns back to Bruce and it's, you know, we saw that at the end of, I think, 104 um, and here it's happening at the end of 105, you know, but Anyway, did you want to say any more about 105? Or? No, let's move on to number 106. Okay. This All one's right. called Above the Earth, A Titan Rages. We see Herb Trimpey back as anchor. Uh, yeah, and Marie Severin is credited as Breakdowner. Oh. Right, oh, actually, right, yeah, sorry. Herb was Penciler in this case, that's yep, right. Yeah, Penciler. Yep. Yeah, Marie yep. did the breakdowns, Herb penciled, George Tuska inked, so it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a, a <laughs> team effort. Hard to know who did what, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you got Archie Goodwin as a scripter here yeah. with, with Roy. So oh, and that's funny. Sorry, you know, one thing I wanted to mention yeah. about the last one is I noticed that uh, the Hulk says things in a way that we haven't seen before. Like, uh, beca- I think because Roy was doing the scripting um, instead of Gary or Stan. Uh, where's yeah. the example that I wanted to say in this one? Um, on page 148, yeah. he says, uh, But the burning hurts Hulk worse than his victim. Uh, whereas, so he uses his, yeah. worse than his yeah. victim, whereas any yes. other time it would have been burning, the burning hurts Hulk worse than my victim. Yeah. He wouldn't yep, carry right. the second person kind of talking, or the third person talking <laughs> through the the entire sentence. He wouldn't do that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of the things I don't like about the early days of the Hulk is it's so inconsistent. You know, he says Hulk smash, but then he's, they'll say I something or right. me or whatever. Yeah. And, and I... I don't think it's really consistent. I think I told you this before when I met Len Wein at a at a um, convention. I said I, I felt like Len was the first one who really nailed Hulk speak and finally got it, you know, consistent. And it was kind of like a model to follow. But it seems like up until that point, there was still kind of this interchangeable Hulk, you know, Hulk versus I or versus me kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, sorry. Let's yeah. go back to one oh six. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, so yeah, quite yeah, quite the entourage of creators on this one. I'm kind of curious to know why Archie Goodwin did the first half and Roy Thomas did the second half. But yeah, interesting. And so again, Stan has left the book, but he'll be back, you know, kind of, as we talked about before. This one is kind yeah. of, it's just a weird uh, segue yeah. issue between the two issues. Uh, we, yeah. we meet this Russian guy, like we mentioned in the last one. His name is um, oh. Brez, Brezlov. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he is Brevlov. part of... Brevlov. Yeah, he's pretty much the... Uh, uh, Russian Shield. <laughs> yeah, <And> exactly. So <laughs> Russian Shield and American Shield are both trying to contain the the Hulk and Missing Link battle. 
Um, yep. And apparently they know each other. Uh, Brev, I, oh, this is for the next issue, but Brevlov is a, is a former American who defected to the Iron Curtain. Oh, okay. But yeah, nothing really happens. Uh, yeah. They just kind of smash around a few things. And <laughs> uh, in the end, the Hulk uh, makes friends with this little kid yeah, and starts playing with the kid. I like that. I like elements like that in Hulk stories, you know, or that kind of the gentler, kinder, kinder side. And yeah, because you know, Hulk is only there to he only hurts people who hurt him first. Right. So this That's kid, it. like he, since he has kind of the mind of a kid, he probably relates to this kid more than anybody else. That's why I loved the Hulk when I was a little kid. You know, I was, I, <laughs> you know, I just immediately took to him because it was like it's like this big green kid yep. who you know when he doesn't like things he. Not that I wanted to destroy buildings and stuff, but um, but yeah, there was something. There's definitely a relatability I think that little kids have with the Hulk, and uh, that kind of maybe stays stays there throughout your life, maybe. But um, yeah, but that's uh, that's why I don't. I never really minded the Hulk smash Hulk. I kind of like the sort of the simplicity of that versus the 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 intelligence of Bruce Banner. You know how the two played. You know, kind of played off each other. Yeah, kind of sad at the end. You see a uh, Hulk right right in the. Right in the target, the eye of the you know the eye of the target there, and how um, Brevlov, 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 Brevlov is about to shoot him, but, but doesn't want to you know, shoot the kid either. Or well, actually, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, right. That's what he's kind of toying with the idea. Like, what should I do? You know, should I? Am I a traitor if I if I don't shoot? It's know, in, yeah. We're we're told through the propaganda of these comics that communists don't care if they shoot children. Exactly. So it's a interesting to see yeah. him having a struggle with this. Yes. Yes, that is that is good. It's it's funny, you know, like how we talked about before how Bruce's um, rationale behind the gamma bomb perhaps has changed a little bit. You know, it's it's a weapon for peace now in 1968, and how um, in 1968 we're now seeing an opportunity for a Russian character to have three di- to have three dimensions. The only problem is that in the very next issue we find out that he's American. Yeah, and that's funny, isn't it? I I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, which is why he, explore, which right? is I guess why he's having the yeah. the 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 moral issues, because he's not yeah <laughs> but he's not Russian he's actually American. <laughs> His American heart that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, should, should we? Uh, you want to jump to one hundred seven then? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Ten rings, half the Mandarin. Yes. <laughs> Gary Friedrich is back writing here. We have Sid Shores as the inker, and I yeah. actually kind of like Sid Shores as his, his inking do. is kind of nice. Um, yeah. And we pretty much quickly dismiss all of this talk. The, the, the missing link dies in the previous issue, and we quickly yeah. move on to the next story here, which is just like all of a sudden Mandarin out of nowhere teleports yeah. the Hulk over to his secret base, and we have the story where um, the Mandarin wants to control the Hulk to uh, to try and take over the world. <laughs> yes, again. Yeah, again. Right. And the funniest right. part is that he puts the Hulk through one of the, all of these tests to make sure he can actually, uh, yep. you know, do what he says he can do and that kind of thing. And one of the tests is on page 191 is fighting this gigantic super android cre- character, <laughs> uh, this big monster. It's like if the Mandarin has one of these yeah. that Why he thinks he is possibly could kill the Hulk... <laughs> then why doesn't he just make fifty of them and use those to take over the world instead? <laughs> that's a that's a really good point. You know, that's that's <laughs> that's that's an excellent question. Yeah, because he can yeah. easily control those more, far easier than he can control the Hulk, which he soon finds out. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's another kind of that same old thing. You know, two dimensional villain who wants to use the Hulk for his purposes, and, and yeah, you know, it's getting it's getting me kind of a tired formula, which I'm I'm glad to see 
you know, things changed a little bit. I mean, not, yeah. not forever, but I mean, I think we saw more variety later on. The Mandarin is not yeah. one of my favorite characters. I, yeah. I find him to be, he's just arrogant and has no real, I, I, I don't know, he's not really threatening. Right. He's got these yeah. rings that apparently do everything, but he never uses them to, to any right. great effect. Yeah. You'd think he could just disintegrate his enemies immediately instead of having to come back five times to fight yeah. Iron Man again or whatever. But yeah, he, I agree with you. Every time it's like, next issue of the Mandarin, I'm like, ugh. It's like, okay. Yeah. Been there, done that. But And why does he have an M on his, on his shirt? You know, I don't, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. But it's just. <laughs> Especially it's since. Just like, it should be a it should be a Chinese character. Yes, it, it definitely should be. It's like Galactus having the giant G. It's like what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but anyway, but um, you know, it's funny. We in this issue we see Hulk like on page one eighty nine. He's he's soaking in cement. There, he's like being suffocated by cement. And then on page one ninety eight, he's dropped into this other thing where he might suffocate. And now it's mud. You know, he's, he's or some kind of sticky mud. Now that he's so he's it seems like another finale here where you know how's yeah. he gonna how's he gonna get out of that? That's kind of exactly how the leader captures him later on in the book as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's the thing that the two things that Hulk can't really fight against is gas, which gets him yep. a number of times in this book, and right. and, and liquid, which because <laughs> you just don't have the same sort of control right. over your weight in liquid. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Number 108 is called Monster Triumphant. Yeah. And this and one boy, is oh the John Severin issue. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just great. This is a... Yeah. Um, as much as I didn't really enjoy the previous issue, this one totally turned it around. And a lot of it has to do with John Severin's inks, because especially when we get to the tank battle, it just yeah. looks fantastic. So much yeah. great detail and shading and... Um, yeah. and, and rendering is just wonderful. But uh, in this issue, Fury and Brevlov have to team up in order to get yes. the Hulk out of China before there's an international incident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. The Russians are going <laughs> to nuke China, and China's going to nuke the Russians, and it, World War III is going to start, and exactly. uh, they have to get the Hulk. Because they all... Um, I don't even remember if it's because of the Hulk, but the Hulk has to get out of there before yeah. people start fighting with each other. <laughs> yes, exactly, as usual. Yeah. You know, um I'm just, sorry, I'm just looking through this. I'm finding I like the coloring. I mean just I just happen to notice I mean the coloring that I like a lot in this um normally you don't see Hulk's hair being darker than his body. It's usually the same color. And so I almost wonder if maybe somebody else did the coloring in this issue too. Oh yeah, yeah, they didn't co credit colorists back here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Stan Lee is back, which is kind of cool. You know, so he's yep. back for a few issues. You know, I think this is a different colorist because the Mandarin also has a darker skin tone. Yeah, In the previous right. issue, the Mandarin right. skin tone was exactly the same as Fury or any other Caucasian guy, but they give him a little bit more. It's not like racist yellow skin tone, but right. it's uh, <laughs> just still a darker skin tone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's, it's, yeah, it's, I'm glad to see that Marvel has progressed beyond the yellow there. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, I mean, there's still so many very stereotypical tropes with the Mandarin, the long fingernails, the Fu Manchu mustache, right. and the, the Spock eyebrows. Those are all uh, yeah. very stereotyped caricatures that people use yeah. to just say, oh, this guy's Chinese because he's got Spock eyebrows. Right, um, right. The only thing's missing yeah. is the buck teeth. Exactly. That's one of the reasons I don't care for the villain either. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a stereotype. You know, he doesn't really... He does, there's nothing know. to him. Even his name, yeah. the Mandarin... Yeah. 
just it's, <laughs> it's just a language. Like, it's yeah, it just means Chinese. It's like <laughs> I am Chinese. <laughs> There's nothing more to him than that. Uh, yeah, he's you know I, I didn't really mind like this story coming to an end because it was like this weird arc that had way too many characters in it and the art was beautiful. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Um, it, it was, was not a Hulk of, story. It was the Hulk was right. there, but things right. were happening around the Hulk, and yeah. we didn't care about the things that were happening around the Hulk. So therefore, yeah, who cares about this yeah. story? <laughs> you know, I like seeing Hulk walking off on end of the sunset, and you know, and I kind of sad at the end. It's like uh, somewhere there must be a place for Hulk, <laughs> and until I find it, I'll keep fighting till I die. But um, yeah, kind of reminds me of a. Uh, um, Scarlett O'Hara, O'Hara saying, uh, "You know, I'll, I'll never, I'll never go hungry again," or something like that. Ah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so this takes us right into the annual. annual yeah, yeah. One. Do you want to take us through this one? Sure. This one is called "A Refuge Divided," and you know, I kind of wonder if the reason that Mar- Marie uh, Severin left the Hulk regular title was so that she could work on this uh, annual. You know, sometimes you would see that happen, or somebody would leave, or they'd say the, this person has left so that they can dedicate their time. To the annual. Right. Look at these credits here. Stan Lee, yeah. Gary Friedrich, and Marie Severin. All three of those guys died this last year. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's sad to be at a time where these people are, I mean, they've been dying off for years anyway, but we're really we're kind seeing, of seeing the last of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The last of them are sort of going. I mean, Steve Ditko was, what, like a year or two ago, something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, Joe, Joe Sinnott is yeah. still around. Yes, that's but right. But he's like in his mid-90s now, almost in his yeah. mid-90s. Yeah. John Romita is still around, and he's, I mean, he'll be 89 this year. Yeah. Uh, if he isn't already. I, I think know his Sal Buscema is 89 as well, right? Wow. Yeah, no, he might be. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, these are great testaments to these, these guys, what they did. I mean, I, one person who's still with us is Jim Steranko. That's and, true. What a look, great cover this is. <laughs> yeah. So iconic. Another one of these iconic yes. covers that everyone remembers. Yep. It's funny how in this case, you you know, originally Jim had drawn a different face for the Hulk mm-hmm. on this cover. Right. And I'm very, very glad that it was changed because I just it looked kind of like goofy and car- cartoony, I thought, originally. And I, I mean, I think the face looks great here. I'm wondering if this was actually – do you think this could be Marie Severin doing the face? In I think that that's who it's attributed to. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, it could be. I'm not sure exactly. But, yeah, you can look online. They don't include the original art in the back of this book, I don't think. Um, but you can look it up online and see the original art and see Stranko's original face. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, it is right here. It's actually. It's oh yeah, there, the that's right. Yep. Yep. It yeah. is here in the book. That's cool. I'm glad they included that. You know, it's funny. The original cover was pretty good. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, it says here at the bottom, Marie Severin drew the face okay. for the final published art. Yep. Okay. Yep. Con- confirmation. It's a great yeah, piece. It is, yeah. I mean, even the original cover was pretty good. I think you know, it's a lot, lot going on. I mean, not a, obviously not the iconic cover we ended up getting, but um, but still uh, would have made a nice pinup, you know, back then maybe. Yeah. Um, back of the annual or something. So, probably our longest Hulk, you know, nonstop Hulk story yet in this case. Right. What is this one? Like fifty, forty-eight pages or something? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is the first. Is this the first time we see the evil in humans? Or I mean, I know Maximus we've seen in Fantastic Four, but I can't remember if we've seen the other one. All of these ones that appear here um, are. This is their first time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Falcona, the yeah. Huntress. Uh, Falcona, the Huntress, which kind of reminds me of um, 
what's her name from He-Man, Masters of the Universe? Uh, oh, is it just sorceress? sorceress? Yeah, sorceress. sorceress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then sure, we and yeah. like we have um, Timberius, which is a tree man who is not Groot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, a centaur named Stalior. Ario, <laughs> the floating man. That, that's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leonis, Leonis, the lion yeah. man. Yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah. And then my favorite Link. character out of all of these guys. And I can't remember yeah. what his name is. Is the guy who is a shadow? Oh yeah, Neb- Nebulo, yeah. who's <laughs> uh, whose inhuman power is that you can't see him, but he still casts a shadow. <laughs> it's like yeah. wow, that's kind of cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. This reminds me a lot of um, 101 to 102. It's kind of like almost feels like an inhuman story where Hulk sort of a guest star. Yeah, there there are a bunch of stories in these early Hulk issues where the Hulk is there. But the plot really revolves around, like, the A story is the, the characters that are not the Hulk. Yeah. Right, exactly. This is very much an Inhuman story, which, at this point, the Inhumans didn't have a book. I think they get a book right. shortly after this with uh, the Neil Adams stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly. It was coming up, yeah, yeah. So all of the, the, the Inhuman stories are told in other people's books at this point. Well, it's kind of like how old Hulk was kind of a hitchhiker yep, <laughs> back in the true. day, you know, around 1964, you know, other people's comics you know so uh yeah but yeah you know this i gotta admit i i'm not a huge fan of this story only maybe because it doesn't nothing i mean it's a lot of great battles here some pretty cool artwork but, but yeah really, yeah and it's just a really long story and um but you know what i, th- I read this yeah. story in there's a there's a book there's an inhumans collection that collects it's not an epic collection, but it's pretty much an epic collection. It, it collects all of the Inhuman stories in Fantastic Four and everything, and it includes yep. this story, and it includes yep. the, the, the Neil Adams series after this. Yep. But reading it in that context is oh. so different because it actually is a great story when you're yeah, reading sure. all of the Inhumans history. But when you yeah. stick it in the middle of a Hulk book like this, right. it, yeah. it's not a great story. It's, it, yeah. it just seems like a waste of time. Right, right, exactly. Kind of like a spectacle, you know. I think a lot of annuals, unfortunately, fell, you know, fell into that sort of trap. Like, let's make a really big event, and, yeah. You know, d- but at the end, we're not really. I mean, there are some wonderful annuals that do tell a really good kind of double length story, but yeah, this one is. I think you you nailed it, you know, in your description of it. And I think the part for me that I, I like the most was um, toward the end. Where Hulk and uh, Black Bolt face off. Because, I mean, yeah, I, I've always, yeah. I like the Inhumans. I like Black Bolt. I don't really care for the evil Inhumans. But, I mean, just real quick on page 264, I mean, I love the uh, third panel. I just love the work on Hulk's face there. I mean, it just looks really um, very detailed. You can definitely feel the Situa's um, influence there and, and mm-hmm. over the, the effect there. But I, it's another one of those situations, I think, very similar to when Hulk battled uh, the Silver Surfer, where it's like they get into a fight. I mean, in this case, though, there is peace at the end. I think, you know, before where Hulk fought Silver Surfer, there was kind of like an opportunity for a friendship that was squandered um, and, you know, back in number 92 and 93. And, yep. and I think that um, it's kind of sad at the end. I love this final splash page panel of the Hulk walking out of the Great Refuge and, you know, hoping, thinking that Black Bolt, who's isolated from his own people because he can't speak or he can't speak without killing everyone, you know, so he's kind of isolated in a way. Just like the Hulk is isolated because yeah. of his strength yeah. and uh, very deadly strength, and so stories like that where there's a kinship found, oftentimes they're twinged with tragedy, though, because it's like you know a friendship that could have been but never quite 
occurs or never can't happen for some reason, you know, and it's kind of the tragic story of the Hulk where that happens a lot. It is. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a nice ending. I'm glad yeah. they focused on, on that sort of character piece because they hadn't really been focusing on any sort of character for the Hulk in yeah. this whole issue. Exactly. And that's what makes the Hulk a more compelling character for yeah. me. It's not the fights, it's what's going on inside, you know, the, the internal battle instead of the external one. So, oh, um, this was another instance of the, the villain uh, convincing the Hulk that he's a good guy and, and getting yeah, him on his side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. I love this, the, the masterwork pinup here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just seeing the different incarnations of the Hulk, the visual incarnations all at once like this, it's really quite fascinating to see, you know, just how he changed, you know, how each artist shaped him. Yeah. And Hulk had a lot of artists by this time. It's like the Fantastic yeah. Four still only had one artist. Right. Yeah. But exactly. many hands have passed through the pages of the Incredible Hulk. That's right. Yeah. Now, do you know, can you identify all of the, the initials here? Um, based on the initials here, well, Jack Kirby, <laughs> of course, at the top with, with, I guess, Dan Adkins. I was thinking Dick Ayers. Or Dick Ayers. Oh, yeah. Of that course, one. it would be Dick, yeah. Dick Ayers yeah, at the, that time. Yeah, yeah. Because that's sure. one of yeah. the very original ones. Um, yeah. Jack Kirby and John Romita in the center. Yeah. Yeah. From Hulk uh, 77 from the cover there. Yeah. And then to the right there, um, SD. Oh, Steve Steve Ditko, of course. Yeah. You look at that face and that's definitely Steve Ditko's face. (laughs) Um, MD. I don't know who, who's MD. That's that's a trick question because it really should be. Oh, Mickey, Mickey Demio, right? Right. Uh, Mike Esposito. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. That's kind of funny. Um, MS is Murray Severin. Yep. Yep. Jack Kirby in the middle there. Jack Kirby and That's a tricky one. I'm trying to think who that could it be would it be Joe Sennett doing that? I'm trying to think who else. I um, recognize that pose. Oh yeah. And I don't the... yeah, I don't remember. It's it's the corner box art. Yep. So I don't know, it might be Joe Sinnett. Um Yeah, I I don't I'd have to I don't know who else. It would be funny thing was with that, like you said, it is the corner box art. But it's funny when you look at the the facing page here for Hulk one hundred and nine, how dumbed down the art is. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, you know, for well, you know, yeah, and I'm not sure. Yeah. This pose was actually taken from an issue from volume two. I don't remember what issue it is, but uh, yeah, sixty seven. I think. Yeah, sixty seven. Yeah. I'll have to check yeah. to see who the art is on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's uh, beside that is Bill Everett, of course. Yeah. And right. on the other side, John Romita. Herb Trimpey, and then the bottom two, I guess, John Buscema and John Van Verporten Verport. and yeah. Gil Kane. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. You nailed it. Good, good, yeah. So. <laughs> good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you want to move on to 109? Then? Sure. I love this cover, and I think I specifically yeah. Oh, yeah. love it because the, the, the title is built into the picture, which I always love. Yeah. And yep. the color scheme is just these earthy tones that you don't usually yeah. get in a Hulk story. So it's yeah. uh, it, it's really striking, um, yeah. very great composition. I really like it. Yeah. I mean, it's really it does show you what a great artist Herb Trimpey could be. I mean, this is just an excellent cover. You know, it's it's cool too. What you mentioned, like the the title of it. I love the fact that this is the first time we see that very iconic Hulk logo, or at least a, a prototype of it that we would see um, starting in the, I think in 1970s when we'd start seeing this. And it would carry through up to, I think, 1985, up until John Byrne came on. So right. very iconic. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So I think um, the, the, the signature says Trimpey and Severin. It, it credits Trimpey first. So I think he drew it. And I think Severin mm-hmm. must have inked it. It might have been yeah. John Severin 
actually that yeah, oh yeah i think it would have been john yeah, yeah definitely not definitely, not yeah. murray and then right. it, the the title of the issue is called the monster and the man beast yeah and uh yeah it's just a uh, kind of it's picking up exactly where we left off even though we had an annual in the middle here but he's right yeah <laughs> just yeah. getting away from the the mandarin's stuff he's right. he stumbles his way through communist china and uh, it grabs onto a missile and launches himself out. And the explosion in Antarctica <laughs> causes a hole in the ground to open up. And there's these tr- two tremendous splash pages on page 282, yeah. 283, where the Hulk falls through the earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And falls all nice. the way to the the Savage Land, yeah. which is the secret area of Antarctica where there is still prehistoric life. Although we don't see any prehistoric life except oh. Sabu. Uh, in, yeah. in this story. It's funny. You know, it would have been nice to see Hulk fight a dinosaur. That would be awesome. I'm sure it happens <laughs> at some point, um, and I'm oh, yeah. eagerly <laughs> awaiting that. <laughs> Coming to an epic near you. But, um, yeah, we get to see, of course, the Swamp Men, you know, from, I think, X-Men 10. Maybe is when they first showed up. And uh, Yeah, the go, different factions sure. of the Savage Line is something that they don't really play with these days. I mean, Kazar, they yeah. don't usually play with these days at all. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I I always forget that there's more than one person living in the Savage Land other than Kesar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't forget Shanna the She Devil though. Oh she's, yeah, that's she's true. Fun. I forgot about her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, interesting stuff. I mean, it, this is a little bit more kind of my, you know, it's more like Hulk's a very like natural character, and I think getting him in the Savage Land is a more of kind of his a good place for him. Totally. And yeah. Kesar kind of interesting character is in terms of befriending um banner and it is funny how you know it's bruce banner's expertise is just so bizarre because he's you know first he's building a gamma bomb but he also can be like a medical doctor and he (laughs) can he can totally understand how this alien weapon works it's just uh amazing how he can pick up on those things but um he is supposed to be one of the ten smartest people on Earth, so right. I guess that's that's why. But yeah, a world destroying weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually really like this Kesar story. I thought it was yeah. quite excellent. Yeah, this this thing in the bottom of the the world. <laughs> Banner yeah. takes one look at it and is like, "Holy cow! This thing's going to destroy the yeah. planet." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, yeah, it's it could have been just a giant internet router or something. Yeah, right. yeah. But he, he knows, he knows. So, and it's funny how he knows exactly how it's going to destroy the world too, just by looking at it. I mean, you see all these, the tidal waves and the people running away from the buildings and all that stuff. So, yeah, because this is this is we find out in the next issue, alien technology. Right. Like exactly. he he knows instantly what alien technology is going to do. It's yeah. pretty good. He's just, pretty smart. Just, he is a smart. He's got. A, Hulk-sized brain, that's for sure. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to move on to 110? Or you yep, let's do that. Sure. So this one, what would you say, Umbu the Unliving? I, I think so, yeah. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, and, you know, again, we've got Hulk lashing out against someone, and Hulk's got to learn to control himself because he, he hits too many people. And, and, of course, I love how Zabu is like, you know, <laughs> not going to let that effrontery go unpunished. So yeah. Great uh, panel there of Zabu... Uh, coming after him and <laughs> for some reason i've always kind of on page uh, 297 uh <laughs> i've always found this panel kind of funny where kazar like crashes this um this is stalactite against the hulk in this look on hulk's face <laughs> yeah. it's like that really hurts but it's just <laughs> yeah 
this is <laughs> the good detail. I yeah, love the detail. John Severin's art, uh, his inking really rounds out all of these characters, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and that panel in particular, I just love because of his inking. Yeah. And look at the rage on Hulk's face in the final panel on yeah. you know, page 297. It's fantastic. It's, like, it's very John Severin. Yeah. And, you know, I wish they could have kept him on a lot of different titles because, I mean, he saved Sergeant Fury. He made that a great book. And, you know, this, you know, I've, it's sad to see that this is the last John Severin issue for, for a little while. Yeah. It's good stuff. And so, so Umbu, was he right? Umbu, Umbu was like the giant robot, right? That was, yeah. that was put there to, to guard. To guard this, right. the, this exactly. the computer or whatever it was. Exactly. And now that the Hulk is, or Banner is tampering with it, the the machine is yeah. coming to life to, to, to I don't even know what he's going to do. He just kind of <laughs> walks around, doesn't really do anything. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> all of the people, the swamp guys, have declared Umbu as their god. Right. And are now following the god around now that he's walking around. <laughs> and eventually, you know, of course, the Hulk's going to face off against him. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's look, Umbu looks like something out of one of those early Tales of Astonish or Tales of Suspense stories yeah. you know, from the same time of, as Groot. You know, it's like even the name is very much like those late fifties. Absolutely, like, totally. You know, one very Herb, Herb Trimpian kind of panel on page is like on page three hundred two, where you um, panel two on that page, where you have Hulk just like ripping up the ground and <laughs> wow. throwing people all over the place. And that's very something we see done a lot. I, I like that because it's yeah. very, just shows the, the, the magnitude of his power, which Herb does a good job of. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. And you get that in this, in this battle here, just well, the Hulk picking up these huge trees and rocks and stuff. And at one point smashing yeah. a mountain. Um, <laughs> I really like how he on page 306 and 307, like really plays with the widescreen aspect yeah. of the panels to right. give it, it's a much more cinematic look, um, yeah. and it, it just shows off the the power. It keeps your eye moving. Um, lots of dynamic oh, colors yeah. in this issue as well. I feel like the colorist yeah. has changed again. Yeah, yeah, um, I think you're right. And there's one yeah. panel on page three eleven mm-hmm. where the guy in the foreground is just red with yellow teeth <laughs> and a yellow eye. Like cool yeah. color choice. It's really oh, bold. I love that. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's it's the evolution of coloring in in these comics is it's fascinating to watch. Just uh, how you know something so it's a very simple color scheme and yet it's very dynamic and really yeah. you know pops that out. So you know it's funny on page page three hundred eight. I'll just say real quick like the final panel. It's kind of chuckle like this transition of Hulk back to Banner and it looks like he's actually praying in like the third <laughs> like the five figures and he's like I don't want to turn back. I don't want yeah. to turn back. <laughs> <laughs> so, totally. Yep. I love it. Unfortunately, I was kind of disappointed that this one was just like another random alien species coming yeah. to destroy the planet kind of thing. It's just one of those tropes that gets overused. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. um, but I do like that Kazar was included to, to help out in this one. And yeah. in the end, Banner is dead, apparently, <laughs> again. Apparently, apparently. It happens yeah. all the time. Right. <laughs> and this to be yeah. Hulk Inyud. Yep, great. yep. Yeah. And so that leads us into issue number 111, Shanghai in Space. And yeah. the plot of this story goes from Antarctica to outer space. And I was kind of disappointed that Kesar doesn't stick around. Uh, he just kind of gets written out of the story in the first couple of pages. Right. As it's Bruce Banner is teleported into this spaceship in outer space right. and is caught yeah. now in this sort of... Again, this is another story where there's this huge... 
uh, rebel uprising happening in this alien species, yeah. and Hulk just happens to be there. You're right. right. And, and yeah. there's just all of the story revolves around all of these other characters, and Hulk yeah. is just kind of breaking things. Kind of tips, kind of tips the scales a little bit. Yep. You know, that's, that's yeah, exactly. Um, the Dan Adkin inks here are very yeah. noticeable. Yeah, um, it's so different than what we had yeah. just seen. He blacks out a lot of eyes. I noticed. Like, I mean, look at Kazar on page three nineteen. That's kind of yeah. like his, kind of like the closed eye style, whatever that right. is. But or it looks makes it look that way. But yeah, <clears throat> Dan Adkins, I like him as an artist. I don't know if I love him as an anchor. I mean, I think he did a great job on um, Doctor Strange. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know that he shines as much here. Well, I feel like he, his artwork is very uh, clean and yep. shiny. And I think that uh, John Severin works really well for the jungle scenes. But Dan Atkins actually is fine for once we get into outer space. Yeah. Uh, this this issue starts in the jungles. Or not, yeah, it starts in, in the jungles. And it's really noticeable. I don't think he does the foliage and the, the terrain really well. But once we get into the technology side of things, with all the aliens and their outfits and their the control panels and such, it seems right. to fit a little bit more. But yeah, still... Not as um, not as keen on it as I was with John Severin for sure. One thing I like about this with this issue, it takes us back to Earth and uh, another page three twenty two where we see um, Rick and Betty talking. And I had forgotten that Rick was still in the title at this point um, that right. he hadn't left right. yet. So I think it's right around. I want to say it was Captain America one oh nine. Um, the first Duranko issue where he joins Cap. Right. Yep. And that's actually right. the issue yeah. where I guess that's kind of the final straw where. I think the Hulk, I know it's a different title, but I think the Hulk might have hit or did that did something to Rick again, and that's where Captain America says, "You can never, you can never go back to the Hulk again." You know, it's just it's too dangerous. So this is kind of the last yeah. time we see Rick in the title for a while. Page three twenty four. I like um, the first panel there. It's kind of an interesting panel of looking through Banner's entire kind of like his entire life. Oh, I think Herb does a really good job just illustrating that. You know, without words or anything. Yeah, I just kind of kind of like that one, but yeah. So yeah, um, we can certainly move on to the next issue, number one twelve. Yes, and this one is called "The Brute Battles On." Yeah, yeah. So this is where we I think we were introduced to the princess. I think in this one, right? I and the and the Galaxy Master. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like name. those fake teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those fake vampire teeth are like a character. Yeah. I was completely <laughs> expecting this to be like a Wizard of Oz kind of thing, where it's just one random or maybe even like the the major creating some sort of illusion that he's to create the galaxy master but no the galaxy master is actually some sort of cosmic (laughs) being yeah interesting i mean he um kind of on page 340 where he becomes this this giant creature kind of reminds me of umbu again right Uh, yeah it's fighting that but it's it's uh it's everything is happening around them. This is where the rebel uprising really happens. The princess kind of yes. leads the charge, and uh, and they're trying to break free from Galaxy Master, who is, I guess, enslaved the whole planet. That's right. And the warlord is trying to uh, defend the Galaxy Master. I think, and even if it means killing off his his uh, niece. Yeah, and you prince- really feel Hulk move to the B story in this issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And which is a, yeah, kind of too bad. Obviously, and, you know, I I like where Hulk. Saves the girl. Obviously, that's that's good. He, I mean, actually manages. I, I like how he goes inside the Galaxy Master to to destroy him, basically. <laughs> yeah, and then so, there's this one panel on page three fifty four uh, that has yeah. a little arrow text box. 
And he says, at that moment, oh, a small yeah. part of Bruce Banner's detective, <laughs> deductive genius seems to right. seep through the monster's clouded brain, enabling him to realize, like, they Even had to explain right. that. Yeah, that's a, a little far-fetched that, that Banner can understand the, uh, the inner workings of this alien creature enough to, um, to know his weak spots. Especially as the Hulk, yeah. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. if they hadn't put that in there, and he just yep. said, and Hulk just smashes the nearest thing yeah. closest to him, I wouldn't have... Uh, wouldn't yeah. care that would have been just fine <laughs> i think that's how he wins a lot he just smashes and smashes and then something something hit clicks you know exactly <laughs> we're left with another another panel yet again where hulk has turned back to banner and he might die you know <laughs> <laughs> good way to good way to have a cliffhanger <laughs> yes that's their go-to cliffhanger thing yeah 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 you want to move on to 113 113 is called where yep. the fall uh, where fall the shifting sands? Yeah, Banner's still with it. Yeah, he he's still there in outer space. This book we've seen a number of um, villains pop up that we know, but none of them are actually Hulk villains. You know, with the Mandarin, right. with the Rhino, yep. and now we have Sandman. Yeah, um, all of yep. these characters who are from other books, which is cool. It's 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 good to see how they play off each other. And uh, yep. this is of course, I mean, Sandman in this case. I'm trying to remember if he. I think they, they had sort of amped up his intelligence a little bit over in, I think, Fantastic Four, 61 or 62, and with a new costume as well. Yep, he's got the Jack Kirby costume. Yeah, so he looks a little bit more... Oh, 62, it says right here on 361. Um, right. On page 361, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a little bit more of an intelligent villain, it seems, than he had yeah. been. Like well, He certainly like has a thug. plan. Yeah. His plan is to yeah, right. uh, try and yeah. reach the negative zone to bring back Blastar. This is a story Sounds that, like a great idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's do that. And I love at the beginning, at the top of this page on 361, he's reading the newspaper, and he sees this uh, advertisement for a space warp ship, and it says <laughs> yeah. new AF. Right. And, like, AF nowadays um, is a an acronym for, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, swear <laughs> word, that I'm not going to say because oh, yeah. this is a family podcast. Oh, okay. I'll That's space warp is new AF. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's cool. So um, I'm glad that Sandman didn't make it to the negative zone. The funny thing with this Sandman suit, it's funny how all the particles come out from it, and but the suit stays together, you know, and they all kind of flow back in. It's his face stays together. here. It really kind of limits what the Sandman can do, because the Sandman, yeah. when he was fighting with, with Peter Parker, would just, like, collapse yeah. into a pile of sand and, right. you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Um, and the, the suit kind of restricts that to just changing his arms. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, so it's a little, little, little bit. Yeah, not not quite as exciting. You know, another but kind it's, of. It's still it's oh, still a good another, suit go though. It's still a good fight, and you do get oh, sure. a real yeah, sense yeah. of how powerful the Sandman can actually be. We do have another situation here where Sandman says, "Hey, I'll be your buddy if you can go <laughs> right and go attack." Gamma face, you know. So, um, what is that number four or five in this one volume? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then Hulk finally realizes, wait, I didn't want to do this. Why did I listen to Sandman? Um, you know, and then of course he sees Betty in danger. So again, that's you know, it's always good to see the kind of the human side of Hulk, Hulk come out to him, yeah, to defend yep. her. Another situation on page three seventy three where Hulk <laughs> hurls up the ground and you know hurls Sandman up from that. I do like to see Sandman forming into these different large objects to try to flatten Hulk. And yeah, right. It never quite worked out. But, um, but yeah, he just kind of yeah, disperses the Sandman at the end. And Sandman clicks a button on his belt. 
and creates a sandstorm. I'm not exactly sure what his suit does, but it gives yeah. him some more power for sure, whatever it yeah. is. It's funny, this is another one of those situations where General Ross says, uh, yeah, we saw the whole thing, Hulk's a hero, and wait, wait, Hulk, let, let's let's congratulate you, but no, he's gone, and you know, we, he must have thought we were coming here to attack him, so... <laughs> So another misunderstanding. Yeah, in the very next <laughs> issue, he seems to forget that and is after me. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So one, yeah, one fourteen. This one. At last, I will have my revenge. Says the Mandarin, who's back again. Back again, yay! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so now, of course, the Sandman is back too. So, you know, it's interesting when we'll would see something like that happen. Two villains get together to try to take the Hulk out, but um, never never quite worked out. Trying to uh, trying to remember if there's anything really that grabbed me too much in this issue. The Sandman calls yeah. uh, the Mandarin a couple times, Fu Manchu and Charlie Chan. Just yeah, like, right. Yeah, thanks. Just uh, <laughs> any whatever. Those were two very popular Asian fictional Asian characters at the time. Yeah, and uh, it's like okay, we're just gonna. I guess it's like how Tony Stark in Endgame calls Thor Lebowski or something like that. Yeah. But, exactly, exactly. But he also yeah. calls him Ringo because he has all the rings yeah. on his fingers. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that's cool, yeah. I like you got a nice moment here between Bruce and Betty, um, kind of reunited for for a time. Of course, <laughs> Talbot coming in and disturbing it, disturbing the situation as usual. Yeah. Man, are you returned? I should have known. It's so frustrating uh, just uh, – <laughs> They won't listen to Banner, and he's trying to explain, and they won't right. they won't pay attention to what he's actually saying, and then he turns into the Hulk. It's like, oh man, everything right. could have been averted if you just uh, <laughs> calmed down and listened. But he gets like two yeah. pages, you know, and, they, yep. and then he's back to the Hulk again. Yep. And, just <laughs> and captured by the Mandarin copter. Yes, exactly. Which you know, I love the you know, the green and the red there. It's very Christmassy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and then, of course, it sees Betty captured. Yeah, not, there's not much more to this issue except that no. uh, Sandman turns to glass. Oh, yeah, and then that's important because we will – that will come back and be a very important plot point um, when we get to number 138. Yeah. So I'll have to – I think that's – Make a note of that. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we, we will – so that's that's the thing. Sandman's story continues directly into that issue so um, so we don't see any more Sandman appearances between now and then. And that ends up playing a very important part in Betty's life, also in Doc Samson's life. So some some big things to come yeah. with all that. But, um, and that's way down the road. Yeah, 1971. So we're seeing, yeah, like 138 to 141. There's a little arc that we'll be coming up to. Except nice. for one, well, 140 is the Jorlet issue. But sorry, I'm getting way ahead of us. <laughs> apologize. <laughs> okay. Little alerts. So you want 115? Want to do that one? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah one one fifteen. Lo, the leader lives. We start a st- we're starting a new story here. This is the final yeah. story arc that's in this book. Um, yep. The so Ross finally manages to capture the Hulk, and yeah. I find that this is so interesting because he's like, we got to destroy the Hulk, and he's like, mm-hmm. no, no, let's not destroy the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden, he he has a change of heart. Not for any yeah. real reason, because Betty's saying exactly the same thing that she's been saying this entire time, only for right. some reason he listens to it now. And, yeah. uh, you know, of course, it's just because the writer is like, we can't kill the Hulk, <laughs> so we right. have to give him a change of heart. So exactly. he tried, they try to find out, oh, they find a way to change him back to Bruce. And they try to get a hold yes. of Rick Jones. And we have a scene here where oh, they're, right. they're trying to call the Avengers Mansion to find out where Rick is. And he's like, they're like, Rick is with Captain America, but we don't know where he is now. And Captain America 
is dead. Yeah. And we're like, oh, and I totally forgot what had happened. So I had the nice thing about having these epic collections is I can yeah. now go to my shelf and say, yeah, sure. I got to check out what happened. And I can pull out that volume of Captain America and say, oh, yeah, that's right. It's the Starenko issues where Captain America yeah. dies. And exactly. uh, and and Rick Jones is Bucky. Right, exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad the epics are. You know, it's it's you know on a, on an aside there. I mean, I'm glad that the for for a lot of these lines, getting two a year, you know, two two volumes a year means that we get like a newer Hulk one and an and then older Hulk one as well. So we're yeah. kind of like lining up the early like the first five or six at the same time. We're getting like 23, 24, and 25. You know, that kind of thing. So right. it's nice to kind of jump back and forth and really get kind of the, the, the backstory of the Hulk from these early ones. So, and Captain America and all the other ones. So, you know, one thing with Herb Trimpey, it's just that he loves to do the, you know, one fist clenched and the other arm far outstretched. You know, you <laughs> right. see that with, it's like a very, like you see um, Major Talbot doing that on page 401. Yep. The leader doing it on 403. Right. <laughs> just kind yeah. of like. Very, oh man, I'm just, I'm going to notice that every single time now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, on the Masterworks Marathon, we do on the you know on the on uh, Rhett's website there. Um, yep. You know, it's it, we some people were talking about that too. How it's just like it's such a, a trope of Trimpies, you know, to outstretched arms. So. <laughs> Kirby does that a lot too, though. A lot of his covers okay. have that sort of pose with the outstretched yeah. arm, uh, one outstretched yeah. arm kind of deal. Um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's funny. Good influence. That's, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. You can see a lot of influence, Kirby influence in Trippy's art in this era for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's a. Uh, so it's a uh, some weird coloring in this. Well, I'm just looking at page 409. Some strange coloring with a the green on Hulk's face. Yeah. So just this morning, I actually posted a picture of that on. Uh, I have oh, an okay. Epic Collection group on Facebook. Nice. Um, and yep. I posted yep. a picture of that, saying, "Does anyone have the original issue?" And can post a picture of that uh, panel in particular because it's like. That's such weird coloring, yeah. And it, the green is really dark. The leader is colored very, very dark in this issue. Yes, yeah. So yeah. someone found the their issue and and posted a picture of it, and sure enough, that weird coloring is accurate. So if there's any doubt huh. that the epic collections are uh, using <laughs> the the original coloring, like <laughs> there's your example right there. Yeah, um, that's pretty straight. Sure. However, yeah. the green color that they use in the actual issue isn't that dark, so it's not as noticeable. It doesn't stand out as much. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I was so ready to blame Quad for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Quad might have uh, the inks they use might just be a little darker than than stuff. But I mean, all yeah. of the color files w- would have been prepared by Marvel and sent to right, Quad. Right, right. I'm, gonna... I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to blame Quad for something. Else. Right. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know it's another kind of situation we've got. I mean, this time it's somebody coming and saying like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to help you trap the Hulk or you know imprison the Hulk and that kind of thing." Yeah. And, and everyone's like, "Oh, okay, leader, great. You know, well, thank you for helping us." <laughs> yeah, and, no, um, they trust him so yeah. easily. Yeah, but I guess did did they have any interaction with the leader? In oh, I know, I guess they were fighting all of his androids and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. they they know the leader. They know what he's capable right. of. I think he he wasn't there like a one. He wanted one billion dollars. Um, or he. I think he had like a, an atom bomb or something. He was going to explode, but he, he but he wanted one billion dollars or something right. in return, which which was <laughs> which was a lot of money back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I still think that's a lot of money now. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that's that's that is very true. Yeah, <laughs> it's still like, like more that. than I have. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's yeah, I do like the composition of this sort of organic prison and. That they're putting yeah. Hulk into. It's a nice idea, uh, especially yeah. with walls that are 
fairly rubbery so that if he punches it, it just flexes with the punch. It's not going to actually cause any damage. Right. And it comes with its own TV screen, too, which is kind of cool. Yes. Know, so. so Hulk can be entertained while he's <laughs> infinitely caught in this weird cage. I mean, they never really discussed how were they going to get food to him? Was he, you know, what were they going to, what's he, right. how was he going to survive in yeah, there? Yeah, how's the airflow in there? What's the ventilation yeah, like? The <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they were concerned about not killing him at the beginning of this issue, but right. they're going to suffocate and starve him now. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, you know, I'm noticing a few times here really close up panels on Hulk's eye. The show, like page 416, is, is one of them where Herb, you know, zooms right in on Hulk's eye there. And we said on page 406 as well, you know, just show kind of yeah. an intense, yeah. intense moment. And, but yeah, I think as we discussed, I mean, I, I like, um, I don't mind the leader. So, I mean, I didn't like the leaders, the use of the leader before, like in Tales of Astonish. He, he got kind of boring, I felt. But I like him a little bit more here. I find him a little more interesting. I think the whole manipulation of the army, you know, General Ross and, and Talbot, you know, I think that I find that a little more interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I think so too. And this is where we get to really see the characters start to to develop. His supporting cast plays a, a better role. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we want to jump on at one sixteen. Yeah, so one sixteen. This is such an uninspired cover. I found. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've kind of I kind of like this one. It's it's weird. Like I, I had picked this comic up when I was really young. And it was the, one of the earliest Hulks I had found, and I was just so mesmerized by something that old. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know, it's funny when I, I saw it, when Marvel Superheroes reprinted this issue, they had a different, um, similar cover. I mean, similar poses and everything, but just a different artist doing it. It might have been like Rich Buckler or something. And they brought out the colors of the the cage on that cover whereas here obviously it's all white yeah it's all white I think that's what it is it's, it, it's, it's just all white in the yeah. background and they just stuck some random heads that I think are probably <laughs> cut out of other artwork oh yeah I'm not think, sure doesn't yeah that could be they don't yeah. really make they don't really serve a purpose that's a good point yeah actually yeah it would be interesting to see how that could have been a little bit different Okay, so the leader's plan here. Yes. Okay, is yes. this one's called the Eve of Annihilation. The leader's plan is now that he like so he's placed this yeah. this uh, new superhumanoid to guard the Hulk, the Hulk, the Hulk's cage, okay. but he's right. actually going to use it to take over the missile base that he's now inside of, yeah. and he's going to launch the missiles on all the, the places, and then the other people are going to launch their missiles, and it's going to start World War Three. And after the <laughs> dust has settled, he will be the ruler of the world. He's going to hide I in a bomb shocked. shelter. I totally <laughs> thought this time we could trust him. Yeah, and, and to think of and to think of that idea. I mean, Jesus. I just like who yeah. wants to rule a world that's been <laughs> ravaged by nuclear war? It's like, exactly. That sounds like a terrible place to rule. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, it's, you know, you see a lot of like kind of the, I love the um, the angst here between Betty and Major Talbot and General Ross, um, where 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 Betty has overheard the leader's plan and Major Talbot, of course, he's in love with her, so he believes her. But Ross, General Ross, is like, no, you know, I'm not, don't, you know, do you take me for an idiot? You know, can't you see through uh, Betty's pathetic little scheme? And, yeah, I, I was so, so shocked at her at his reaction. Yeah. Usually he's not as dismissive to his daughter th th like that, but yeah. But that causes Talbot to take some action, and this is where right. I think Talbot really does something useful. Uh, he actually yes. goes against orders and yeah. starts clearing the base to the point where it's like 
he takes out a gun and threatens people. Uh, yeah. That shows a very different side of Talbot, one that's yeah. still believable, still that I think he could do, but something we haven't seen yet. So I'm happy yeah. that they made that decision to, 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 to further Talbot's character development a little bit here. Exactly. Instead of being just a yes man for Ross. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he does his own thing. And you can see that he's not mitness, he's not such a bad guy. If he's of course he's doing this out of love for Betty, but but he also sees the you know, the, the rationality of what she's saying. And so that makes us respect him a little bit more as a character that he's um you know, that he's he that he can think for himself. So. Yep. I also like that Betty played a bigger role in this too. Yes. Uh, yep. the, the the leader kind of mind wipes everybody like causes them all to pass right. out except for betty because she's obviously because she's a woman <laughs> the only woman on the base she's not a threat right. he even goes exactly. as far as putting a, a a little mental headband on her so that she won't pass out <laughs> like okay <laughs> good one leader yep and so she takes the uh the weapon and uh reverses the polarity or whatever and and uh, yep. destroys the the cage to bring the hulk out so i'm glad that she took some action yep. as well because she's been kind of underused this whole time as well exactly it's nice to see panels where she's not crying all the time yeah yeah and so it's where she's actually like yeah so that's good see another situation where the hulk rips up a floor or a ground or you know the, on page 438 yeah that's right topples the leader in the humanoid and but i feel i feel bad for hulk in this one because he just gets out of that darn cage or whatever you know on page 436 then on page 439 he's hit with a ray that forms another one around him right and it's like oh poor guy and he's He's, he's he basically ends the, the story. He, be, he ends the issue, just like he started it. He's back and trapped again. So, and now of course we got the the Holocaust coming up that the, the leader is going to create. Yeah, that was yeah. a cool picture on the top of 440 using some an yeah. actual photo yep, for the like city. Yeah, yeah. Kirby did that kind of thing all the time as well. Not all the time yeah. in special occasions. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The pacing in this issue was super yeah. fast. I th- I really yes. enjoyed this one. I thought it was it was quick. Yeah. It was yeah. it was breezy. It was just like action, like purposeful action that wasn't just the Hulk fighting the entire time. And right. it was a lot of fun to read. I really liked this three issue story arc in the end here. I thought yeah. it, it was a great way to end the volume. Yeah, I agree and with you. Moving into the next issue, the last issue here, number one seventeen, called World's End. Yeah. Here's where you know, the uh, leader launches the, the missile in order to start the war, and yeah. the Hulk manages to break out of his little uh, plastic prison. And between him yeah. and Betty, they work together in order to, to figure out a way to to bring the missile down. Uh, she actually f- manages to calm Hulk down so that he turns back yeah. into Bruce. So that was kind of a nice thing, too. And it reminded me of that scene in Age of Ultron, the movie, where Black oh, Widow yeah. is calming down, uh, you know, the sun is setting yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. The little hand thing they did. Yeah, yep. yeah. You know, a couple of things. Um, this is where Herb is inking himself, and right. it looks. I, I really actually like his style here. Yeah, um, his his ink strokes and everything. And um, yeah, I think that for the next few issues, and of course, we'll be getting into the next volume next time. But um, I really think the one seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen looked really good and uh kind of wishing they could have had her ink himself more but yeah some good stuff i love page 444 the battle like kind of like this what full panels i mean this full page spread but it's yeah you know, like the the three figures of the hulk fighting against this thing and you know one thing i was going to say for the last issue but if you know it's just it's kind of the way these comics are at this point if the pacing i think is has improved because stan lee is or, or just any whoever's scripting it is putting in fewer words you know, like it's it's there were right. I mean it's 
instead of like these long, because I think that you know having these huge, like, uh, these huge captions in the old days would really slow down the pace. I mean, I really my eye would immediately go to the action, but felt it was like a chore to go up to the panel because I could see from the from the action what was happening. I didn't need to be told what was happening, and so I think now that's the way these are. I mean, they're, they're, the, things are moving much more quickly because it's more visually it's a more visually directed um, story. There's definitely a different feel for these stories, and you're right. The it's yeah. not typical Stan writing. He's changed his style. It's yeah. not as wordy, and especially in the fight scenes, because Stan yes. always would have like characters saying <laughs> exactly what they're doing uh, yeah. during the fight scene. I'll just pick up this tree and swing it around, and <laughs> yeah, but the Hulk doesn't do that here. Yes, which is great, and I, I wonder if it's a combination of Stan just evolving as a writer, or if it might be expediency as well if he had less time. Yeah, so it could so, be both. So spent on these. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some complaints where people are saying, like, the Fantastic Four stories around this time, there was much less dialogue. Much, and I mean, I think, I'm not saying, you know, Alex not like words, but it's just that I, you know, I think that it's, um, you know, I just hate when it drags down the pace of the story. And, yeah. you know, and in these cases, it's what the word, the um, word balloons use, the captions used, really help things move along. I mean, they complement each other. And... Exactly, like you said. I mean, instead of saying "this is what I'm doing," you can see what's being done. You don't need to be told that. So, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. The only complaint I have about this is that Stan has recycled his story that he used in Kazar, where uh, you know yeah. you have the you have to find a way to bring Bruce back so that yeah. he can stop he can stop the technology that's going to destroy the planet. Right. And that's exactly yeah. the same thing that happened here. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, a little different outcome because <laughs> Leader launches a second bomb after yep. uh, <laughs> Bruce stops the first one. So he right. has to jump. He has to, the Hulk say, so So Bruce yep. stops one bomb and Hulk stops one bomb. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That's teamwork right there. Yeah. You know, your, your two personalities can That's right. work together. <laughs> it's kind of a random anecdote um, on page 454, uh, panel six. Um, the one that starts with the change always seem to happen. Uh, that pose of the Hulk is very similar to the one we would see in the corner box, um, starting with, I think starting around 1970, and it was the one that would, would kind of, that'd be sort of the corner box image. Not exactly this, but similar to that, that we would see through probably the first half of the 70s, which is kind of neat. That, oh, okay. And, and if Herb meant to, like, you know, when he, when he drew that corner box image a couple years after this, or the year after this, if he intended on going back to that, or if or, or what? But I just thought it was, it was the first time I noticed that. But right. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. Those, like you said, good ending with the, the teamwork there, and the leader gets away again. He's not going to be away for long. I think we see him six issues from now, um, so he's not gone for long. I love that. You know, it's like, yeah, well, I see some body there, but what concern is that of mine? It's just like when Submariner <laughs> saw Bruce on the beach. It's like, well, I can't. You know, that's right. Here this guy. So, um, but yeah, that's that was one seventeen. Yeah. I did actually read um, Not Brand Act Nine. Depending on what you want to talk about, that sure, yeah, yeah, let's do that. It's it's a yeah. it's a parody of uh, Tales to Astonish number yeah. one hundred, and it starts almost exactly the same way. Namor yeah. looking at, at at the Hulk on his little TV screen, and it's amazing yeah. that I, th- I think I mentioned this in the last issue as well that Marie Severin drew this issue and she drew Tales to Astonish number one hundred. Yeah. 
Right. And so you can like if you flip to that back to that page and look at both yeah. of these splash panels back to back, like it's the same yeah. artist drawing, but a completely different style. So yeah. a, a good testament to her ability to really play to the needs of whatever book she's on. But yeah, absolutely. This was a Good this was a funny issue. There's uh it's I find this style of humor, this 1960s mad style kind of uh humor it, it seems a little dated. It's a little hard to read. These That's an days. understatement. Yeah. Yeah, for me. I I I found I I read recently I read the entire series and it was painful. It really it was very, <laughs> it might be my least favorite Marvel series ever. And that's including like A1 was a, you remember that? I don't know if you remember the A one series in the early eighties. But is that the um, one with the truck? Yeah, the truck. The yeah. truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, but oh god, this is so bad. I mean, because just I mean, it's the art's cool. It's just um, I mean, we talk about wordy. I'm like, and I know that even like one of the issues of Not Brandeck even made fun of how wordy it was. I think we have like there was an X Men feature where they're dr- literally drowning in word balloons. Yeah, but it's just like in all. I mean it. And it's just like the jokes are just so lame. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have a lot of good things to say about this one except that it finally ended. But uh, but the art, I like the art. You know, I like Marie's style, the way she draws the bulk, that he has no chin. It's kind of cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I do I, I, like that they include yeah. these stories in here because it's such a yes. different perspective of what oh, yeah. else was going on during the era for Marvel and just in the era of, of yeah. humor as well. Uh, very neat yeah. to see. Yeah, a whole collection. I know that there is um, a Not Brandeck uh, complete collection coming out in the next couple of months. Okay. I, <laughs> well, let me be the first to say you should buy that for your worst enemy. No, I'm, I got <laughs> to close my mouth. No, no, it's, it's it's not that bad, but it's just, it's, you know, compared to other things Marvel was putting out at the time, it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a little subpar. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, yep. um, I lo- you know, I do love the, the comparison to Mr. Spook or Mr. Spock here on page 469. Totally. Namer being, you know, it's, it is cool how, I wonder what Bill ever thought when he first saw Star Trek and saw a guy with pointy ears and the, in the eyebrows in the same hairstyle, <laughs> pretty much. Totally. You know, yeah. uh, you know, from his 1939 creation. So, um, I think there's another, there's another not brand, not brand X feature where Namor, I think actually tries to join the cast of Star Trek so that he can take Leonard Nimoy's place or something. So, yeah, that's in uh, um, Not Brandeck number four, I think. Oh, yep. good. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> good memory. So, <laughs> um, so that's. Did you want to say anything more about that story? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, that's the, yeah. People should just read it for themselves and find out. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, there are a bunch of different uh, bonus features, mostly uh, different covers that were used, yep. uh, different renditions of different things. There's some original art from Marie Severin and stuff. A lot. In fact, there's actually a lot of art in this in this book yeah. uh, some, great. some of the coolest stuff is uh, the second to last page where we get um, a bunch of um, herb trimpy oh yeah uh, just kind of sketches and funny little gag jokes and uh, i think um uh, does herb yeah, do I, all of these ones or marie does some of them as well i think but yeah i think yes it's a combination i think yeah because oh yeah marie severin is <laughs> we're talking about stan being a little verbose um yeah bottom left hand corner of well, yeah, the one where you have like the talking teeth, basically. I think that's supposed to be Stan. Yeah, oh no, but... no, that's Herb. Oh God, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Stan. Perhaps uh, the only guy who could out-talk Stan the Man Lee. Okay, Maria yeah. Ever takes a jab at Herb <laughs> for talking too much and too loud. <laughs> oh boy, something that Stan uh, got on Herb about more than on more than one that's occasion. That's funny. That's so funny. That's funny. 
Well, you know, on an aside, you know, I, I did talk to Stanley once years ago. I managed to call his office and, back in 1998, and I was in college, and I was uh, trying to do some research on 60s culture, and I thought he'd be a great guy, and I, I don't know how I managed to find his number. I just looked on the internet, which is very, very fledgling at the time, but, uh, but I got, he, he came on the phone, bless his heart, and said, uh, you know, okay, Alex, you got one minute. And I was like, "Wow, my God, it's you!" Because he just—it was his voice, you know, <laughs> yeah. and unmistakably. And we end up talking for two minutes. But that's one time I would have loved for Stan to have been more verbose. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> wow, anyway, so great. um, but great stuff from some great people, you know, like you yep. know, some great creators back then. Um, totally. So. Well, that's we got it. Through it all. Yeah, we <laughs> did, and this is uh, this is such a, a great uh, launch off into the next volume. I'm really excited for yeah. volume four because if they keep the trajectory that they're going here, then we've got some cool stuff going on. Yeah, and they do. You know, I just I just finished reading 124, and it's it's great stuff. So um, yeah, I think you we'll have some fun discussions. Uh, nice time around. Great. Well, cool. thanks for joining us again for this episode, Alex. Appreciate it. Yeah. And My pleasure. Uh, Everybody will be back to talk about the next volume, which is called In the Hands of Hydra, I think. Yes, yeah. that's right. With, yep, exactly. exactly. Cool. So, Great. All right. Yep. Well, and we see on the cover, it's Herb, Herb Trimpey and John Severin work. So we, John Severin's back by that point. So Excellent. Uh, we'll, we'll see some more of his, that great combo. So. Looking okay. forward to it. Cool. Yep. All right. <laughs>